The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. They just don't lose they refuse to lose the philadelphia eagles outlast the buffalo bills in a slugfest for the ages that went back and forth 59 yard field goal ties it the bills score first in overtime and the eagles come roaring back with a drive that results in a jalen hurts 12 yard quarterback draw and the eagles defeat the buffalo bills 37 to 34 i mean I'm telling you, that's one of the most grueling games you could ever watch and ever play in. And the Eagles again, like the same script of last week when they outlasted the Kansas City Chiefs. This one, they looked like they had no business winning several times during the game, especially after a lackluster first half. And here they come, bang, 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 and they hang in there and they outlast the Buffalo Bills, whose season might be ruined after this game. <laughs> It is the Pond La Hockey uh, post-game show, and we are live from Ocean Casino. I'm Mike Missinelli with Mark Farzetta, Bill Calarulo, and, of course, the all-pro Seth Joyner. Uh, fellas, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just totally exhausted, and there's so much to um, unpack with this game. So I'll let you start and unpack it. <laughs> well, I mean, ahead, on, there's a lot to unpack in this huge suitcase here. But the bottom line is I feel like you saw two teams today, and you see why their, their seasons have gone in opposite directions. The Bills still haven't won back-to-back -back games since week three and week four of this season because they consistently find ways to lose games. At the worst possible time, a guy like Josh Allen finds a way to blow a game for his team. As great a game as he had, the one big play that he should have made, he didn't. Throwing the interception that was picked off by the Eagles, they were able to turn it into points, which was huge. Then on the other side of things, the other story you tell here is the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles just find ways to win. And sometimes the will and sometimes the bigger play is better than the team that makes more plays. The biggest play of this game was made by Jalen Hurts in overtime and also, of course, the 59-yard field goal on the swamp of a surface that was Lincoln Financial Field by the greatest kicker in Eagles history, Jake Elliott. Unbelievable. I, before we, I got to get Seth in. Seth, you're, you're being awful quiet over there. <laughs> and, and I know we, we just watched the same game and we're going, oh, my God, are you kidding me? This, this happens, that happens. I mean, two false starts by Jason Kelsey in the crux of the game, and they still survive that because Elliott picks them up, and they go into overtime. And Buffalo actually has a chance to win in overtime. It looked like Diggs cut off the, the, the route, and he went outside when Josh Allen was expecting him to go inside. That was probably going to be a touchdown that ended the game. What's your spin on this whole thing? You know, I'm, I'm – somewhat in disbelief of what I just watched myself. But, you know, I, I said last week that I'm done, you know, overly criticizing this team because the one element that they have, and you can talk about, we can go and look at how many yards the Buffalo Bills amassed on this team today and look at how few yards the Philadelphia Eagles amassed against the Bills today. And when you look at it, you would say to yourself, there's no way in the world that the Eagles won that game. The Bills ran 27 more plays than the Eagles ran today. But you know the one thing that the Philadelphia Eagles know how to do, and it's the thing that makes them the most dangerous? They simply 
know how to win. And when the chips are down is when they play their best. They kind of flounder and they flounder, and then when the chips are down, they come through and they make plays where they have to make plays. The key players make the plays. Jalen Hurts accounted for five touchdowns today, three through the air and two on the ground. You know, it's about time for the national media to step up and give Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles their due. They have won in every conceivable way this year, and they are now 10-1, and one, the only team in the National Football League with double-digit wins. Bill, let me throw this stat at you. Because Josh Allen accounted for 505 yards of total offense wah, 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 and four wah, touchdowns, wah. four touchdowns, <laughs> and they lose I'm the sorry, game. Mike. I'm seriously. <laughs> he he threw for 430. He rushed for 81 more yards. He ran for two, threw for two, and they lose to the Eagles. You look at all of the stats in this game. And Buffalo should have won. But with this Philadelphia Eagles team and Jalen Hurts, you could throw the stats out the window because it can't be overstated. Sometimes it gets overstated about the intangibles. People always talk about intangibles with players. The intangibles with Jalen Hurts are real. This guy never blinks in the face of adversity. And I can't wait to see the stats. You've been seeing it floating around Twitter for the past couple of weeks about what he's done when they've been tied or down in games. He did it again tonight. What a performance when Jalen Hurts needed to perform. I'm lost for words. We talk about third down efficiency. Buffalo went 13 of 22 on third down. Eagles went 4 of 11. That in of itself should have been, oh, they didn't win this game. But Jalen Hurts, man, Jalen Hurts. I'm, I'm, me and Farsi, were, we were shaking up here watching the <laughs> overtime. I, I, I just, I, I'm bewildered. I, I mean, I should stop reacting like, like, this is unusual because they do it every week. And you look at they were so down and out in the first half, it's 17 to 7. And it should have been a lot worse because there were a couple calls that Buffalo did not get and a couple opportunities that they squandered. The Eagles come back, score a touchdown in the third quarter, scored two more touchdowns to take the lead. And you're thinking, okay, well, here we go. But the Bills come back. And, and the touchdown that puts the Eagles ahead, and we're talking about what Josh Allen does. Okay, we, talk, we, we just gave you his statistics. But his interception is what leads to the Eagles taking the lead at 28-24. And you're thinking, okay, they're fine. They're fine now. But the Bills came back and scored a touchdown to their own, and I didn't know what to think at that point because it, 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 at that point it's 31-28, to and the Eagles are trying to get the ball down the field to, to – even the score, and they didn't make a couple plays, setting up a 59-yard field goal. Now, what did I say? Uh, you, what did I predict? You stood right there and told me he's making this he's made, many I don't, times I over. I don't care about the spongy ground. This dude is going to make the field goal. He, he, he hit a smash, three, which would have gone for 62, yeah. and then ties the game. And, and even in the overtime, when Buffalo scores first, I say, okay, well, their luck's got to run out at this point. And it just did it never does no i th this is the crazy thing you go back to 1990 no, you look at the stats and this is a perfect example of something i like to say numbers never lie but they sure as hell can deceive and these stats are very deceptive about what the outcome of this game was which obviously was the eagles win but going back to 1991 the best streak anyone's ever had any quarterbacks ever had with consecutive wins after being down 10 or more points was four jalen hurts has eight okay double the amount that is an incredible streak, and it's because of that that you can never truly count the Eagles out of a game. And what do you look for in a franchise quarterback every single game? 
you always want that chance to win. Even when you feel like the stats are going against you and the other team is outgaining you like crazy and getting third down conversions like crazy and you're turning the football over in the first half twice, you always want to feel like you have a chance to win that game. Jalen Hurts is the guy that gives you a chance to and win that Seth, game. And Seth, he looked terrible in the first half. It looked like he didn't even he wasn't even there. He didn't want to play for some reason today in that first half. What flips it for him? Listen, I, I think that, you know, and I talked about it last week, I think that this coaching staff does a great job of making adjustments on the move. You know, there were times last year where I didn't feel like the coaching staff made great in-game decisions. But when I'm looking at both sides of the ball, both of these coaches actually make really good decisions. Now, everyone's going to talk about the, the, the day that Josh Allen had. And everyone's going to belittle the fact that Jalen Hurts played the way that he did until it really, really mattered. You know, so I ask you guys the question. If, if, and I know it's, it's, it's kind of off the beaten trail, but I'm trying to give due where due is deserved. You know, the most important tangible for a quarterback. He can have a strong arm. He can run. He can read all the defenses. He can make all the right checks. He can do everything the right way. But the most important intangible is his ability to get you to the finish line and help you win football games, okay? If Jalen Hurts isn't the leader in the clubhouse right now for MVP of the National Football League, I'm not so sure that I know who should be. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. I mean, what is that? Farzee, I think you gave a, a, a stat in pregame. Th this is now his 14th straight win against – a winning, winning team. team, yeah. Against a winning team. Are you kidding me? I mean, that might be – is that something – that's an all-time record. That's a record and the youngest it's, person to do it. It's yeah. a record. Even before – when he tied the record, he was the youngest to ever do it. Now he has the record. So, I mean, come on. I, I'm, I, I, Jalen Hurst deserves a lot of credit, man. He deserves a lot of credit. This guy is at his best when the chips are down. It's one thing to be able to do it when everything is going right, when you feel good and everything looks good, and everything is good. It's one thing to get it done when everything is rolling the way that you want to get it rolling, okay? The hard thing is how do you – when everything is going against you and everything is wrong, how do you flip the switch? Most quarterbacks can't do that. He got sacked five times last week in the first half, and the guy just got up and kept firing. He, he's, he, he had, what, 90 yards – 99 total yards in the first half? And the guy goes into the second half and he goes into a phone booth and comes well, out with a Superman Kelly Green suit on. Are you kidding a, me? There was a point in the first half where Josh Allen had thrown for 209 yards and rushed for 49 more. Hurt stats at the time, 4 for 11 for 33 yards. And the Eagles were giving up third downs like it was candy. Third and long, third and ten they give up. They give up a third and nine. They give up a third and seven. And, and Buffalo keeps committing penalty after penalty after penalty. And you're going, you know, at 17 to seven, you're going, my God, Buffalo should be ahead like 30 to seven here mm -hmm. in, in this game. Yeah. And so that's part of the, re the reason the Bills are where they are. They didn't put the Eagles away in the first half when the Eagles were just – begging to be defeated that way, begging to be pounded, and they allow the Eagles off the mat. And, and, and at 17-7, to 7, that quickly was 17-14, to 14, and they had life. Yeah, it's the, the, the evidence of the Eagles not supposed to win this game was mounting after the first half. I mean, you put out some of the numbers there. Again, it was 40 rush yards by Josh Allen in the first half to only 33 passing yards from Jalen Hurts. He ended the first half 4 of 11 throwing. 
They had no bid, not unable, by the way, to convert on a third down. They had no business winning this game, but they were able to get the turnover that they needed that Josh Allen has now thrown eight consecutive games now with an interception, which is, which is horrendous for him. Obviously, J- Jalen Hurts had an interception as well as 10th of the season, but they just found a way, no matter what, to continue to stay in this game and come up with the clutch play. And the Bills, of course, turned two Eagles turnovers uh, into 14 points. And again, uh, there was a part at the end of the first half, and I wanted to get your guys' take on this because I, I thought it was a really important part of the game. The Bills looked like they were driving, and uh, they were they were down, and, they, and Josh Allen got called for an intentional grounding call. Now, prior to that, it was an obvious horse collar tackle by Hassan Reddick, which was missed, and then the intentional grounding call, if you look at it, he, yeah, okay, he was going down, and he was close to the ground, but it looked like that there was kind of a receiver in the area, They were about right? five or six yards up. It was a little – Right, yeah, so, yeah. so that in set them back when it looked like they were going to score a touchdown to go in the first half with an insurmountable lead, and instead it turned into a Tyler Bass field goal that was blocked by Jalen Carter, which, which preserved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> this, this game was like so up and down, I can't even process it. We, and then right after that play, that's when Hurts had that bad fumble – where he put it in the running back's yeah, the mesh belly, and awful. they end up getting a touchdown. But we talked about Jalen Hurts' stats at the end of the first half. Four of 11 for 33 yards, and he had two turnovers. Second half, he goes 14 of 20, 167 yards, three touchdowns in the air, another one on the ground. Eagles only had 14 points through the first three quarters in this game. They somehow put up 23 points in the fourth quarter and overtime. They're never out of a game, I, ever. It, it, it's just uncanny. I I, I can't believe it. You know, uh, the, the, the Eagles gave up their 14th TD of the season on a, on a third and seven plus. <laughs> like they, they haven't been able to stop teams on third down and long for some unusual reason. They didn't do it again today, and they still win the freaking game. I'm just speechless. I mean, you, you pull out anything from this game, <laughs> and all it is is a giant finger pointing in the direction that the Bills should have won this game. But when you have Jalen Hurts as that X factor, and you're getting big plays from Alameda Zacchaeus well, of all people in the end zone, game. that's the biggest play of the game because it, it, it's a third and fifteen. <laughs> he scrambles to the left. He just, he throws it up. He has this uncanny ability when he's scrambling to throw it up and make a play out of it. And here's Zacchaeus comes out of nowhere as two guys converge on him, including Jordan Poyer, and he snags it to give them the lead. Wait a minute. So so let me. Help me to understand this, okay? Because if Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, if anybody else would have made that play, it would have been more than just, oh, he threw it up and a guy made the play. He was pointing, telling them where to go. Well, as I'm saying, he has, the uncanny, he, put the ball. he has the uncanny ability of making a play like that. It was a perfect throw. Mike, he's a playmaker, man. He's a playmaker, and nobody wants to give this kid credit for what he does. He throws the ball accurately. He throws it on time when he needs to throw it on time. Listen, the kid can just flat-out play. All the haters that he has from one coast to the other and the ones that preside right here in Philadelphia, they need to sit down and shut their mouths. Who hates him? Listen. There's a where, lot of people. Where's the, where's the hate coming from anymore with Jalen Hurts? Let's, get on He's my Twitter. He's like the favorite of the year for <laughs> get, on, get on my Twitter page. Oh, you mean, you get know, on my Twitter, Twitter page tonight. Twitter is not like the I'm na- trying, national perception of I'm, it. Yeah, but <laughs> listen, Mike, you weren't on the pregame show. 
So after after they beat the Chiefs last week, we talked about it on the pregame mm-hmm. show, the three of us. Mm-hmm. After they beat the Chiefs last week, guess what? Nick Wright didn't own up to the fact that he picked the, Chief, the Chiefs to win the game. Then I switched over to ESPN. And all that everyone wanted to talk about on the major networks was the fact that, oh, the Chiefs dropped the, 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 the guy, McCall Hartman, drops the touchdown pass that could have won, potentially won him the game. That's what they said. Could have potentially won him the game. Then they want to talk about all the mistakes that the Chiefs made. No one wants to talk about the fact that the Eagles won the game against the Chiefs. And here we go with the same narrative again tonight. We want to talk about what Buffalo didn't do right. Well, I don't give a damn said, about – No, no, no. No, Mike. Hold no, on. no. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. I don't, I don't care. I don't care what people have to say about how the Eagles won the game. They won the football game, okay? And, and I know for a fact because I played this game for 13 years, you only win because you earn what you get. Nobody in this league gives you anything. And I'm sick and tired of everybody always saying that the Eagles won because of this. They won because of that. They won. Be- no, they won because they were better than the damn Bills today. Okay. It might have taken, it might have taken them to overtime to get there. I'm arguing with that. But here's the other point. The, you know, the, the people that don't make plays is the reason why the Eagles are better than the other team. The fact that Zacchaeus catches that ball and Diggs make, takes the wrong turn on, on a play that should have been a touchdown, that happens to the teams that don't win. No, I get that. But, you know, the Eagles lived in that neighborhood too for three quarters. And all of a sudden they woke up and flipped the script. And that's my point. But I'm telling you right now, when you turn on the TV tomorrow and you listen to the national broadcast, all that everyone's going to want to talk about is all the mistakes and all the opportunities that Buffalo let, that Buffalo squandered. They're not going to talk about Jalen Hurts. They're not going to talk about the three touchdown drives in the second, second half. They're not going to talk about that he drove the team nine plays, 36 yards, and set up a 59-yard field goal. They're not going to talk about the nine plays, 75-yard quarterback draw that now he set up to win the game. I'm telling you right now, they're not going to do it that, because they want to make it about everybody else. That's why we're here to talk about it. And I don't <laughs> see Nick Wright coming through that door. So I, that's why we're here. I'm calling them out, though. But, <laughs> I, I'm, hey, listen, we got we got two, two and a half hours. I'm calling them all out tonight, okay? And I want Xander to put all these damn clips up because I'm sick and tired of a 10-1 team, a 9-1 team, not getting the proper respect that they're due. All because you want to make it about everybody else, okay? The Eagles are where they are. They're ten and one because they're just the best damn team in pro football. Period. Yeah, and Seth's talking about how Jalen Hurts doesn't get the respect he deserves, which I agree. But there's another person I don't think gets any respect across the NFL, and that's their head coach, Nick Sirianni. You have to be a good head coach to be able to win the games that this team is winning. Yes, it starts with Jalen Hurts and that leadership group. But it comes from the top and the culture that Nick Sirianni has built with this Philadelphia Eagles team. You're not winning games like this if you don't have a great culture. And that starts with their head coach, Nick Sirianni. How he's number five in the odds to win coach of the year is mind-blowing to me. And everyone says it's because they have all the talent in the world. What this team does is more than just talent. Let's talk about that. Because Nick Sirianni is part of what they do offensively. You know, and we're going to hear from John McMullen a little later. And he's going to say that offense is what Nick Sirianni is. But <laughs> all the heat 
was coming into first half on Brian Johnson. I mean, if you were on social media, Brian Johnson needs to be fired. Bears not good enough with Brian Johnson as the offensive coordinator. Explain to me the first half, half game plan that Nick Sirianni has to be have his fingers in where they looked inept. Yeah, and they have no Lane Johnson, and the first thing you see is them throwing the football three times. That's where Nick Sirianni has his fingers on the game plan and all the play calling more than anything when it's scripted like that. And we talked about that on the, on the pregame show as well, Seth, talking about how Nick Sirianni really shines through in that first 15 where more of the play calling is on him than it's on Brian Johnson. So see, so see them start a game without Lane Johnson as your right tackle, which going into today you're only 13-22 and 22 in those types of games, and they cough up the football and they choke in that situation. And then in the second half of the game where you would assume Brian Johnson has a lot more say on the play calling and has a lot more influence, that's where you start to see them have that kind of success. I'll give credit to Nick Sirianni for this, above play calling or game plan or anything like that. We all talked about this game going into it, how it was supposed to be a sort of letdown game. It was going to be an emotional game. You come off a game against the Chiefs, you're going to lose a game against the Bills before you play a game like this against the San Francisco 49ers. Whatever button it is, Nick Sirianni knows how to find it, knows how to push that button, knows how to motivate his team, knows how to keep this team focused, and then the leaders on this team take that to the nth degree. Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, all these guys, they know how to make sure this team stays focused. And also get that blow before the game of not having your all-pro right tackle to which you're nine games under 500 without, you find a way to make the proper adjustments, manage the game with Jack Driscoll as your right tackle all of a sudden, and find a way to win this game. Mike, you want to know what the difference is from one half to the other? What's that? The Eagles ran the ball 14 times for 69 yards in the first half, okay? Seven of those runs were by Jalen Hurts. The other seven were by the running back for 69 yards. In the second half, they ran the ball a total of 18 times for 116 yards. Now, I know I beat the dead horse until he comes back to life, but I will always and continue to do it. If they come into this game and their intent is to run the football, the first, the first series they threw the ball three times in a row with Jack Driscoll out three, on the, on, three, on the, on the three, guy that's throwing their lead. Three, the three their, throwaways, by the way. Yes. Three straight throwaways. Yes. They weren't even patterned. They thrown away. Because you got Jack Driscoll out there all by himself, no tight end, no back to chip, three plays in a row, okay? I always say, yeah, they might not want to be a run-centric team. They might not, they might not want to run the football, and they might want to throw it all over the, all over the map, but when – push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, when everything in their offense is going sideways, what do they do? They run the football. And for the oh, life of me, I don't understand okay, so that, why you wouldn't come out and just do that. In their, in their game plan early on, what is it? What, what compels them not to strike that kind of a balance analytics. in the first half? The analytics say that you run the football often and early, and then you get a lead. And then you well you throw it often and early. Excuse me. And then you come back late in the game and you and you run the ball to run the clock out. But not every game, not every game works that way. Especially in a game like today, it's the same thing with the Chiefs last week. They started off slow. They decided to run the ball. Boom! All of a sudden, the offense starts clicking. You know, in, in bad weather, same thing. You get a half, almost three quarters worth of just sloppy football. They make a decision to start giving DeAndre Swift the ball. Boom. All of a sudden, the offense kicks into high gear. Why not do that from the beginning? You know, it sounds like you have changed your, your, your tune on the Eagles because you're the one 
for most of these shows have been worried about these close games and you're going, you know, they're going to put themselves in a situation where they play somebody good and because they've squandered it early, they're going to get clipped at the end. Are you off of that now? And are you giving, throwing up your hands saying, you know what, no, they win? No, talk to me. Talk to me after the next three weeks. They got the 49ers. They got the Cowboys. And Seattle. Seattle. And Seattle. Well, after two weeks. I ain't worried about Seattle. Okay. <laughs> Talk to me after the next two weeks. Because I'm telling you right now, the 49ers are legitimately their biggest their biggest foe in the NFC. There's no, no, no doubts about it. I'm not worried about Dallas because, you know, Dallas is a front runner. You know, if, if, if you don't believe it, go back and listen to the broadcast last week, the way they beat up on the, the commanders. On, on Thanksgiving Day. Even the, the, the commentator said, this defense is built to play with a lead. So, in other words, you're telling me that that defense is a damn front runner, okay? Dak plays well when things are going well. Now, if they got to go to Dallas, yeah, that's going to be a tough road to hoe. They are not going to win these next two football games playing the way that they played today early, you know, because if you keep turning the ball over and keep allowing teams, what is, for, what is it? 14, 14, how many, 14 times they've given up points off of turnovers? 14 TDs they've given up but on third and seven yards plus. You cannot continue to live like that because sooner or later that's going to bite you. So to your point, I'm saying, yes, they're a good football team and they know how to win, okay? The Buffalo Bills aren't a good football team in my opinion. I think they got some great players. I don't think they are what we thought they were. The Chiefs have a great player, but they're not what they've been. 49ers, 49ers are for real, yeah. okay? The Dallas Cowboys at home, the Dallas Cowboys could be a problem. The rest of the schedule, I'm not really worried about. But we'll find out, to your to answer your question, we'll find out in the next two weeks. You know, the way they show this profile every week, and I, would, I hear what you're saying, because the 49ers are formidable, and the Cowboys are going to be tough at home, but I... I I'm not even worried about that anymore. I mean, seriously, <laughs> they win every week. And, and You're they not worried about what? I'm not worried about the 49ers or the Cowboys because this team tells you that when, even if you look at it and go, they shouldn't win that game. They shouldn't win this game either. They win. Well, they should have not won this week or last Mike, week, and they says, win. Who says they shouldn't win? That's the reason why they play the game, Well, that's man. what I'm saying. I, don't, I think they're almost impenetrable at this point. <laughs> to look at it and go, oh, the 49ers are going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's going to be tough. They're a good team. But it, it wouldn't shock me at all if the Eagles win that game and, or go to Dallas and win. No, and end up no. with one loss this it year. It doesn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me to see them win, it, win either. But my point is, and they keep talking about it, how, you know, we haven't played our best game yet. We know we got to get better. You know, all of those factors keep coming up, and we keep hearing that from week to week. At some point in time, it's all got to come together. Now, listen, I don't, want, I don't want this football team to peak right now, okay? I don't want it to peak against the 49ers next week. I don't want it to peak against Dallas the following week or the Seattle Seahawks. You know when I want them to be peaking? I want them to be peaking in week 16 and week 17 going into the playoffs where everything is just hitting where it needs to hit. You know, so they still got time. But I'm just saying, even if they lose one of these games, it's not that big of a deal, you know. But we're, we're in the business of debate. We're in the business of looking at what we just saw and asking ourselves, can they continue to pull a rabbit out of their behind week after week I, I, after and, week? And you know what? My answer is yes. <laughs> My answer is yes. 
I've seen enough rabbits being pulled out of hats. Well, I mean, no, I didn't say out of hats. Oh, whatever, wherever. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Were them ra- okay? I'm just all right. Just making sure. Yeah, if you missed that, you have to be honest. No, but know, you're, you're talking about the lower end. I yes. get it. To your point, Seth. Uh, first of all, I don't want them peaking in 17 and 18 uh, those weeks of the season. I want them peaking in the second round of the playoffs when I think they're going to play their first playoff game after they get the hometown, uh, the, the, the the home field advantage, and then they push need the number to, one spot. Trust me, they need to, they need to peak around week 17 so that they're moving in this direction. If they wait to the playoffs to try to peak too late. Okay, okay, that, that might be the case, but to, to the point earlier about not being concerned that much about the football, look, I got respect for the 49ers, I even got respect for the Dallas Cowboys during the regular season. It's in the playoffs that the Cowboys are most likely going to choke anyway, but in all seriousness, every challenge and every bar that has been set by the Eagles, they have risen to the occasion. They did it last season, and they have done it so far to this season. You haven't beaten anybody yet. The Miami Dolphins come to town. They take care of business against Miami Dolphins and handle the business in the second half, especially with Eli Ricks on Tyreek Hill. So that was another example of a guy like Alameda Zacchaeus stepping up when he needed to step up. You haven't beaten anybody yet? Okay, fine. You beat the Dolphins. Now can you beat the Chiefs? They beat the Chiefs. The Bills come to town. They're supposed to be on this higher R, coming back with a new offensive coordinator, new life in the team, and they beat the Buffalo Bills. They just continue to beat the good teams. And even though the Bills have not been the team that we thought they were going to be in the first half of the season, they were still three points better than them today. Four points better than them today. Farzi, I will say this. The Miami Dolphins are a finesse team. The way you beat a finesse team is you batter them, you bloody their noses, okay? Next, what we're about to find out from a physical standpoint. Now, granted, the 49ers are a physical team, and they've got some finesse things that are baked in there. Like, if Christian McCaffrey is running the ball with any kind of, you know, regularity, and getting the ball out of the backfield, and then they start mixing and matching him with Debo, you know, and they've got everything cooking and everything going the way that they want it to go. Now they can be problematic. So they're somewhat of a finesse team on the offensive side of the ball at times, and then they can get physical when they bring in use check and they really want to run the ball, and they are 100% physical on the defensive side of the ball, okay? So now we're about to see. We're about to see because this will be the most physical test that the Eagles will have all season long. And Dallas to come right behind them, this could be a knockdown drag out. Oh, going to, you know, the game against the Dallas, everything is sore and everything is hurting. I understand. I've been through those types of games before, you know. But these teams that they beat up until now, you know, they've been pretty much finesse teams. They haven't really played against a physical brand of football, you know, like they present. They present a physical brand. That's why they beat the 49ers last year. Well, hopefully, talk about a physical brand of football with the 49ers. Let's hope Fletcher Cox is ready to play. Milton Williams makes it back from that concussion. And they also lost starting linebacker Zach Cunningham, who I think has been their best linebacker all season. He really didn't play in the second half tonight. So you got to hope all these guys are able to play. And you know what? It, 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 it didn't even matter. Because, <laughs> it because Christian, it, here's, the, here's the example of how good they are. Christian Ellis comes in. He gets sucked in on the pass that gave Davis on a third and four, which puts the Bills up 20-31. Now, that should have cooked them, Yeah, right? That should have cooked the Eagles. It didn't cook them. And you know why? Because a 59-yard field goal is no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> on a marshy field. Exactly. And so, and then the Bills score in overtime. That should have cooked them. They come right down the field systematically. They didn't panic, right? It's like, okay, we got time. Without to get the their all-pro right tackle. Yeah. Exactly. My, you, know, you know what I love about that drive the most? 
we were sitting there watching it, and I said, I hope and pray that Jalen's mindset is that we don't have to hit the home run. We don't have to go get it all right now. When you're in a situation like that, you're down by three, you're only going to get one possession to either kick the field goal and tie it, which ultimately probably ties the game, or score the touchdown and actually win the game. I said in this scenario, in this situation, it's all about converting third downs. you got to get first downs. you got to matriculate the ball down the field. you got to get first down after first down and move it. It doesn't matter. Just don't take the shot down the field. And my goodness, could you have seen a prettier drive? I mean, every single, even a third down completion to Devontae Smith, it, it was smooth. It was unbelievable. That was their yeah. only third down the conversion third on down. that drive, too. So, so take advantage. Here's what's smart about that drive. They took advantage of a really tired defense. That defense was tired. Our defense was tired. Yeah, I get it. But let's focus on this drive now that they need, okay? Buffalo is playing a little bit softer, a little tired, playing a little bit soft. So they're allowing the dribs and drabs. They they got a second and two. They convert for a first down. There was a second and ten they converted on first down. And until they got to that third and three, you know, it's we're in the last minute of the game, and, and they still didn't panic. They, Mike, they just, you know, they let, just let me, do whatever it takes. Let me tell you something. There's a strength and a weakness in every defense. A strength and a weakness in every defense, okay? And baked in and built into every offense, or did I say defense, in every offense, there's, there's a, a strength and a weakness. And baked into every offense is an outlet. You know, it's really up to the quarterback to decide that I'm okay taking the three or four yards. You know, Tony Romo just kept going on and on about, oh, you know, I'm happy that Josh Allen and the culture changed. Listen, the culture didn't change after they, after they fired Ken Dorsey. You know, Josh Allen decided, you know what, I've been throwing too many interceptions, so instead of forcing the ball down the field, I'm just going to take what the defense is given. Okay? So it's up to the coaching staff to communicate that to your starting quarterback that, hey, we don't need to force anything. Take a book out of Tom Brady. Tom Brady played for, what, 20-something years? Just dinking and dunking and moving the chains and, and scoring each and every possession that he could. But we get so enamored with the explosive play and the bomb and the big and the twenty plus. Just take what's in front of you. That way you can you can score every down. Right, I don't get it. Let's take a breath. And uh, right now I got to tell you about my buddy Gary Kane. If you're looking to hire right now in the uh, IT engineering and manufacturing or technology fields, and who isn't, contact Gary Kane and his team at Kane Partners Staffing Solutions. And here's how you can connect. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, 
we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling. Asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community, at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC <laughs> Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. All righty, it is the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino. As you can see all the excitement in the back, the Eagles win again in unbelievable fashion. They outlast the Buffalo Bills 37-34 to in overtime. They are now 10-1. Kayla Santiago is going to join us in a little bit for the Diamond Debate of the Day and also... The great John McMullen, live from Lincoln Financial Field, who covered the game for us here at Jacob Media. We'll hear from John in a little bit. But right now, it's time for the player you can bank on, presented by First Trust Bank, presented by First Trust Bank, the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. And for this, we go to the great Mark Farzad. <laughs> the player you can yeah. bank on. Can you pick one out today? There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a number we have not mentioned of all the numbers, and it's the most mind-blowing number. Seven, Mike. Seven. Seven was the passer rating of Jalen Hurts in the first half of this game. Seven. Finished with 96. That's exactly. Except this one had a much more happy ending than the first one. But anyway, you're looking at this game and Jalen Hurts able to propel this team in the second half to win this game and in overtime and win that game and the nine-play drive that they had to win this game, you don't face more than one-third down. And on a third down earlier in the game, you were able to find, I understand if you're looking at him finding A.J. Brown for that touchdown that he ended up finding Alameda Zacchaeus on. I understand if you find Devontae Smith. But if you make Alameda Zacchaeus the star of that play on the receiving end of it, you're doing something right. To go from a seven-passer rating to finish the game with a 96 and also, let's not forget, you're going at, what, 3 for 11 in the first half. Then you're going, excuse me, 4 for 11 passing in the first half to finish the game 14 of 20. 
That is nothing short of spectacular from Jalen Hurts. And without question, the guy you can bank on. Eight straight games now when you're down 10 or more points, he brings you back. No one's ever done that. Well, I can't argue. <laughs> I really can't. I mean, I, I was just stunned. Jake Elliott. They, yeah. Like, like they, it looked like he was, like, checked out of the game. Like, more than any other game. Like, he's had some slow starts. But in this game, it looks like like he wasn't even there. No, the there was no People rhythm. People on social yeah. media were going, what's wrong with him today? Yeah, there was no rhythm. There's no fluidity to the offense. They looked like they were having a, a really a, probably the worst time we've ever seen the Eagles have without Lane Johnson as their starting right tackle. And this, of course, a very last-minute thing. You learn right before the game that he's got uh, groin soreness and then won't be able to go, so Jack Driscoll's going to go up. They really look like they struggled to adjust, and we've seen them struggle in the past. Again, nine games under 500 without Lane Johnson in the starting lineup, 22 for 33, and you look at some 11 games. And then you look at the situation like this. They come out, have nothing going for them offensively. And then all of a sudden, they start running the football. Things start to get established. Oh, my. They did the thing. They did the, they did the cliche of actually setting up the pass by using the run. And that's where you start to see this offense really take off. I, I mean, listen, you look at, I mean, people are going to look at the numbers. Uh, and Seth's right. People are going to look at the numbers and go, look at that. Josh Allen outplayed him. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, Bills, the Bills really messed this game up. Because Jalen finished with 200 yards. Uh, he did throw for three TDs. He got sacked a couple more times. Josh Allen, meanwhile, went crazy, throwing 51 uh, times for 339 yards and two touchdowns and ran for him. He was unstoppable when he ran the football, and, and he bullied his way to a couple of first downs. And yet Buffalo comes up with, as we, as we say in, uh, in Italy, Ugats, <laughs> right? Uh, and, the, and, the, and the Eagles win the game. Yep. Right? Know. You know what Ugats means? <laughs> <laughs> we got three Italians on the board here. Translate later. That's an honorary, right? Huh. Um. I got an idea what it means, but I can't say it on air. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean you're, you've referenced the 13 years in the NFL. Obviously, linebackers are very important, especially in the time you were playing. You look back at a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, and what does that do for a team when you know that that guy's got you, especially in the second half? If things aren't going well in the first half, you know that guy is going to be there to make the play by the time the game's over. Well, I mean, it makes all the difference in the world when you know that you got that kind of firepower. That's why I always say, you know, an offense, the Eagles came into this game averaging, what, 27 points per game, okay? Fifth in the NFL. If our offense would have averaged 27 points a game, you know how many games we would have won, how many Super Bowls we probably would have won. It makes life so much easier for a defense when your offense is averaging those kinds of points. You know, um, the other thing is you just know – when you have a guy like that on your side, that when the chips are down, just as long as you keep you keep battling, that he's going to keep battling. And Jalen Hurts, you know, this is a guy who's never going to give up. That's why he's the unmitigated leader on this football team. Because when his knee was hurt, he stayed in and he kept battling. They came back and won. You know, when, te- when the team is in a situation where they look like they're not going to win the game, he just keeps battling. And it's like, you're watching this guy out of here scraping and, and, and just doing whatever's necessary to get back in the game. It's like you're down, you're down what, 10 points? Going into the fourth. Yeah, and then, it's 20, and then, 24 to 14. And, 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 and you're right, that drive yeah. is monstrous at the start of the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, he gives you life. 
he did the same thing last week. They were down by 10. They looked like, you know, the tent was kind of folding a little bit, like one of the legs got kicked out, and then all of a sudden they score a touchdown, and all of a sudden you can see the life. You know, you can almost see there's, there's some, some blood, you know, some flushness in the cheeks of the team again. And all of a sudden, they, now they start to believe again, well, if he's doing it over there, well, we can get it done over here on this side of the ball. Now the offense, the defense starts to complement what the, what the offense is doing, and the next thing you know, boom, here you go. The team is right back in the game again and in position to win it again. And as a matter of fact, they do enough to actually get it won. You know, Brian Johnson doesn't get a lot of love from anybody, but I'm going to give him some love on that with the, t- the touchdown. Oh, oh that we're I gave him love about. on the pregame show. All right, so but let, <laughs> he didn't get love in the first half. No, I gave him. Uh, you're right, but, but I gave but him love on, in the pregame on, show. But on that touchdown, the design it was a fake screen, and then he hit Devontae in the middle, which was a great call and a, a well-designed play. And that was like the end of a seven-play, 75-yard drive, which retook the lead for the Eagles. So you're right. That fourth-quarter drive was probably the most important drive. And, Mike, I'll say this. You know, I'm I'm guilty because when they ran those back-to-back screens last week, I tweeted in all caps. I'm like, what in the hell was that? Then they ran it again tonight on a second down play, and they wound up having to punt, okay? But now that I'm thinking about it, you know, it's all a part of offensive coordination because if I give you that look and now all of a sudden you believe that I'm going to throw that, I'm going to try that screen again, and now I pump it, and then I got Devontae in the end zone, that, that was set up by that second down screen that actually didn't work, mm-hmm. you know? So we can talk about how much we don't like what Brian Johnson brings to the table, and every offense is going to go through some periodic times where they don't look, you know, as efficient and as, as potent as they do. But like I said in the pregame, you almost have to dig a little deeper into the game, and you have to watch the film to actually understand the coordination and why they're running what they're running and how it all works out. Because just because they run something in the first half and it doesn't necessarily work, understand that you're giving a snapshot, you're giving a picture to not only the defense, but the defensive coordinator. And they're taking that picture. And they're looking at it, okay, what's the adjustment we're going to make if they give it to us again? And now they've got another play off of it that gives them success. Uh, you know, that play got them to within a field goal. So we have to mention that at that point, Allen gives it up. He, <laughs> again. He gives it up. And it's the ninth straight or the eighth straight game with an interception for him. So he gives it up there, the Bradbury interception. But then, like, the monstrous play, I think we're uh, – we're, we're almost underappreciating that play that he makes as Zacchaeus catches. I mean, that's just an amazing play where you're running to the left, you're scrambling, you, you, you throw it perfectly for, for those two defenders not to get it and for your, your uh, receiver to make a play on it. It's, it's such an important play. That, that's a play when you look back at this season. That's going to be a key play that you look at. Yeah, and I was happy to see, even though Quez Watkins was activated today, they didn't give all of Alamba Zacchaeus' reps back to Quez because I don't think Quez catches that ball. We've seen him not come up in big moments. Alamba Zacchaeus, when he's had his opportunities, he's had some big plays. He's a season. fighter. He's more of a fighter than he's Quez. He's Philly. That's I mean, why. really, wait, when's the last time you've seen Quez fight for a ball? Really? I, I don't want to put the guy down, but he looks like that he's an irrelevant part of this team at this point. Well, his speed is relevant, and that's why he's on the roster, and that's why they, they activated him because – as the as, with the roster constructed the way that it is, he's the fastest wide receiver that they have. So he's the guy that can run clear outs 
to get other guys open. So he's important from that standpoint. He's just not a guy. And, but every once in a while, you know, teams are going to fall asleep on him because they're going to be like, well, you know, they don't ever throw him the ball. You know, he's a decoy. And that one time that you go to sleep, Jalen's going to find him and hit you with a deep ball. Now, it might only happen once or twice a year, and he may only catch one out of two of those balls, you know. But at least you make the defense have to think about the fact that you got a guy that runs 4-3 that's streaking through the middle of my, my defense, and I got to account for that guy. So there's an importance, you know. But when you, you think about how much playing time Julio Jones is getting, you think about how much more playing time Alama Deus Zacchaeus is getting. Think about how much four wide receiver sets you're seeing because now Dallas Goddard is out of the lineup. And they're going empty with five, five guys out with the running back, you know, in the slot position. It's absolutely crazy, the creativity that you're beginning to see. And that keeps defenses from being able to bring pressure and be able to, you know, it gives the deep, the offensive line a chance to give Jalen time to actually throw the football. You know, we're looking at this game, Seth, and I know you, you hate to see them with, with with four down linemen when when the other team's running the football. They can't stop <laughs> they it out of four, stop. man. And the Tell Bills, it, when they got down 28-24, their drive was based on running the football. They started to run the football, and every time you you, had, you saw a four man front, you're screaming at the television. You got you can't stop. You can't, they don't stop the run with a four man front. They can't. And they can't because this is this to me is where, you know, linebackers, the devaluation of linebackers for the Philadelphia Eagles is a major, major problem. It's because if you're a linebacker that's played and played a lot and understand run fits, then you understand, you know, how to play the run. You got two linebackers in the four-man front when they're standing back there, they're not sure what's going on. Well, I can tell you what's going to go on every single time. They're going to double-team the two tackles, okay? And the longer that you as a linebacker stand back and watch that double-team, you got 600 pounds that's pushing on 300 pounds in your lap. So by the time you react, now they come off the double-team and they've got push. As a linebacker, the minute that I see I'm keying the line, the lineman. That's part of the problem is they're probably not keying the linemen. They're looking in the backfield. So they're looking at what the line, what the running back is doing, and by the time they figure out which way he's going, they look up. The offensive lineman is on him. No, you got to key the uncovered lineman. The uncovered lineman tells you whether it's run or pass. And the minute that you get the double team, they got to come downhill right now and take that offensive guard off the double team. Because if they do, now they can get to their gap and their defensive lineman can fall in his gap because across the board, every gap is, is, is covered. But when they don't play that way, every gap isn't covered. Now you begin to create creases and seams in the defense because the linebackers aren't coming downhill f- fast enough. And then you turn around and you get the five-man line. The, the, the issue with the five-man line is you're weaker on the back end because you got one less guy, but you're stronger against the run because the one linebacker that's in the, that's in the box He's only got one gap to play. He's got that A gap to flow either way. And, then, and when, once he starts to flow, he's unblocked the entire time. So just as long as they don't run that ball in the A gap, there's nowhere else to run it. And then with, 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 um, with Carter and Jordan just, just tearing up the defensive front, more times than not, they become free hitters to the football and run, and, and run situations. But – they got to figure that out. They, they've got to figure out how to teach these linebackers, okay, 
how to fill their gap and how to get those double teams off our tackles in the four-man front and how to flow and how to do it now because the longer you wait, the more problematic it is. But really the problem today on defense wasn't stopping the running backs. They only averaged three yards a carry. It was stopping Josh Allen. He had nine yards a carry. He ran nine times for 81 yards. And now if Zach Cunningham's out, you already have N'Kobe Dean out, would you make a move for Shaq Leonard? Would you bring him in? No, no. Because, listen, there's a reason why the Colts cut ties. They still owe him $6 million. As a veteran, they have to pay him. Yeah, you could probably get him for a little or nothing. But if he could play, he would still be on the roster. If he could still – they got to pay him anyway, okay? So the reason why they let him go is because he's injured. He's not effective. He's not able to do what he was able to do last year. Now, if you roll into the offseason and you ask me that question, I say yes. You bring him in. You find out what the problems are. You try to get him healthy. You give him time to learn your defense. You know, and then you might have a gym moving in the next year. But right now, listen, good teams don't cut good players, man. Good teams don't cut players who have something to offer. So – I would say no. And a lot of people, I see them on social media and in the chat and everything else. Oh, we got to go get Shaq Leonard. If Shaq Leonard could play, he'd still be on their roster, plain and simple. There's something wrong, and that's the reason why they let him go. Well, the, run, the running backs, Bill, did hurt him on that drive that, where they, they took the lead because they Cook had 11 and 11, and Murray had a 13 and a 6, and then they had a 4. So all of a sudden, they started running the ball there. And Mike Buffalo – Buffalo did the same thing to the Eagles that the Eagles were doing to them. They would go empty, okay? The Eagles wanted to still play too high because they didn't want to give up anything deep, which now forced the last backer out of the box on the tight end to the three-man side. So now when Josh pulled the ball down, you got five guys blocking four. You just turn the two, three techniques out, and he just run it up the middle, you know? So they were doing the same thing that Jalen was doing to them. You weren't very happy with Tony Romo today. I want you to tell the people why. <laughs> you, you thought he was, he was cheerleading for the because, Buffalo Bills. Because he does. He does. <laughs> Tony, the last thing Tony Romo wants to see is the Eagles do well. Okay? <laughs> and, and I get it. It's tough. It's tough because, you know, if I, was, if I was in his shoes, you know, I would say there's a part of me inside that would be rooting for the Eagles to do well because I want to see them do well because I played the majority of my, my, my time for the Eagles. But when you're in that position, you've got to figure out a way to be, you know, a lot less biased. So, I'm, for instance, okay, we talked about, you talked about it earlier, the horse collar, okay? He's got him by the front of the jersey. It's pretty darn evident that he's not going to be able to get him down with one hand. How else is he supposed to get him on the ground? This whole horse collar thing is nonsense. The horse collar is when you're running and you grab the guy from behind and you drag him down that you might break his ankle or break his leg. But if you grab him by the back of the jersey and he's in front of you, that's not horse collar. No, and, 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 and he reached around from behind and grabbed They kept him. talking about it, it and a, talking listen, about it. it. And they, they kept talking about it like it was the most important play of the game. <laughs> Shut the hell up. A play that was important in overtime was the roughing the passer on Nicholas Morrow. Some of us were saying, yeah. hey, that was a ticky-tack call. 
Mike thought he did throw he the, did throw the, the elbow. shoulder out. That I was a like flop. That was such a flop. The officials are looking for that when it's a quarterback. There's a chicken wing and a turkey wing, okay? There's a major difference between a turkey wing and a chicken wing. I am not going to sit there. That was a pigeon wing. complain about the officials today after after the Bills got clipped. For, I mean, seriously, they, they got hosed in the first half, call-wise. I mean, throughout the game, 11, 11 and 2. I think they Why? got 11 penalties and the, the Eagles got two. If yeah. they were guilty of them, they were guilty. Well, you think that the – Four. They, they ended up with four. They, Let me ask you a had question. back-to-back false starts. You think that the, that the referees, if there's a call that's there to be called, that they're not going to call it? They missed a pass interference. I told on, you why on, they on the missed right. it. Did I not tell it's you? It's still a pass interference. You can't call it if you don't see it. You on see Darius that happen. Slay. On Darius you, you, you see that happen all the time. Now, if the hand was on the back of the jersey, that ref that's responsible for watching that would have seen it. But you got to give Darius Slay some credit. He grabbed him on the front of the jersey, and both players were back. Backs were to the the ref that's responsible for calling that, so he never saw it. All right, we're gonna take a break. We'll agree to disagree. That's a veteran knowing the game. Some guy just gave me a pierogi coupon. I got two pierogi coupons. There you go. Free. Treat yourself. I'm a pierogi fan. (laughs) Coming up, it is the diamond debate with Kayla Santiago. And hang on because John McMullen time is coming soon on the Eagles postgame show, uh, the Pond Hockey postgame show, live from Osha Casino. We're back after this. Welcome to Pond Hockey the largest workers' compensation law firm in Pennsylvania. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. Even better, Pondley Hockey doesn't charge a dime until you win. If you've been injured at work, give Pondley Hockey a call. And Hillary. In the heart of Montgomeryville, Pennsylvania. What you got for us today on your right hand, Hill? Today we've got a right hand ring, Liam. What is that? It's a ring that you would wear on your right hand. That's it? That's all there is to it. Okay. <laughs> it's what? meant to balance your left hand situation, or if you're not engaged or married, it says, I'm not engaged or married, but I still have this over here that's sparkly. A lot of other ways you can say that. Well, not if you're trying to wear jewelry. Which okay. one's your favorite? I love this um, Art Deco moment. I mean, with these beautiful baguettes and round diamonds. I mean, who wouldn't say no to one of these? Baguettes are hot right now. People also love an eternity band. It's beautiful. Great for the other hand. That's right. So come on down here for Love Bros here at Mark's Jewelers. Every day of the week, except Sundays and Mondays. That's supposed to be our clues. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. scared sometimes of a lot of things joining in decisions 
The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. The perfect pair. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Um, welcome back to the uh, Pilot Hockey Eagles postgame show. If you miss this game... Your disgrace, because well, seriously, this is one of the most amazing games on earth. If you're just tuning into the show, like you see the post game, show, I wonder how they did. Uh, you you missed a thrill ride in this game, 37 to 34 in overtime. The Eagles win it. It's time now. Kayla Santiago joins us on the panel for Kayla's Diamond Debate, brought to us by Mark's Jewelers. Kayla. Talk about the holiday season and March Jewelers for us. They've got a ton of deals that we will talk about after this segment, but let's talk about what I've got on today. A huge Eagles win, by the way. I'm super hyped up to be here and just talking with you guys. But we've got the beautiful bracelet that you want to go make sure you get, as well as the pearl necklace. These are my absolute favorite. I actually got a pair for myself, so I definitely have a lot of people that should go get them, especially if you're looking for a Christmas gift. And then, of course, the beautiful pearl earrings that match perfectly with the necklace and the bracelet. But, guys, we've talked about Brian Johnson. You alluded to it in the pregame show and then also in the postgame show. Mike, I'm going to start with you here. I think that he made a lot of second-half adjustments, and that's what we've been talking about him needing to do. Do you feel like you saw enough from him today? Do you want to see more going forward? Of course we want him to get better and better, but this game we really saw Brian Johnson finally make some adjustments in the second half. You know, you've been won. very down on Brian Johnson. I have. I have. And now, now I was here and I'm a little bit in the middle as yeah. after that win. Well, listen, I don't understand. Uh, like the first half, to me, is like they weren't ready offensively to play. I I, I don't get that. Uh, and, and so, like, play designs have to be – you have to get your team off. And sometimes, like, the way they start, it's like you, you're not interested in getting the team off with some things that will really click and establish something or mix something up or uh, get the ball. I thought they were going to get the ball to A.J. Brown a lot today uh, because of, they didn't get the ball to him last week. And they didn't really – you know, I guess he had nine targets today, but, the, like, they did – they get away from the run. They, they call these weird wide receiver screens, which never work. They never work. A screen to the running back occasionally will work. The wide receiver screen never works. They don't have a tight end they can use that screen. They like to run it with the tight end. So I'll give him a break. He's without a tight end, which completes mm -hmm. the offense. Because that makes, you know, with Goddard in there, it makes the offense a lot more versatile. And maybe he just can't find the, the, the right methodology without this tight end. Now, the votes on the poll on the Twitter page or yes, they need to see more, about 35%. No, they don't. And then, of course, seeing how the season goes on is about at 36% as well. So make sure you go vote 
on that Twitter poll. But we'll go around here, Seth. We'll go to you now. Brian Johnson in this game. You guys already talked about the rushing yards in the first half. And they have 116. By the way, DeAndre Swift, two huge runs to really put the pedal on the metal. Are you happy with the adjustments in the second half from Johnson? Yeah, I, I love the adjustments, you know, that they've made the last two weeks. I just, you know, it's just hard for me to understand why we can't start a game off that way. Let's start off running the football and then, you know, that will open up the rest of the passing offense. But, you know, we sputter through a half of football, the three quarters of football like we did today for us to get to the point of understanding that we have to run the football to balance up our, our offense. And, Mike, to be honest with you, I didn't expect for anyone to have a big day catching the ball today the way it, just similar to last week. You yeah. know, I thought there would be another one of those gritty, grimy games, you know, where both teams – you know, had to run the football in order to, you know, find any kind of offensive continuity. Um, but Devontae Smith, Devontae Smith wound up being the guy to have a day. Seven receptions, 406 yards, you know, and a big touchdown catch. Um, but I, I think that, you know, you talk about the absence of, of a tight end. I think that, you know, this is another curve that Brian Johnson has been thrown. You go from being the quarterback's coach last year to being the Offensive coordinator, the guy that's calling the plays this year. So for the first time in your career, you're actually calling plays. You know, you're playing against some of the better defensive coordinators and their protégés in the league because of your Super Bowl, Super Bowl success the year before. And then all of a sudden, you lose a top three tight end and one of the integral parts of what you do. So now you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I write the ship? Who do I go to? How do I go to? How do I, how do I design it? you know, to make it make sense because you can take away, you know, the two wideouts, but you can't take away Goddard. Now that you ha don't have Goddard, you don't have to work about taking them away. The defense can take away the two other guys, and now you got to figure out which other piece do I use on a consistent basis or how do I mix it up to make it all make sense, you know. So I'm going to defend him a little bit, you know, and I've been critical too, but I talked about in the pregame, we talked about in the last segment. I'm giving him a break because I'm beginning to go back and look at the offense and look at ways that he's actually coordinating those screens. You know, they may not work, but they're setting up other things down, down the road in the game that they're going to later on in the game, and they're having major success with. I, I thought in the early goings of the season, it was a slam dunk as to who was the better coordinator. It was Sean Desai mm -hmm. versus Brian Johnson. First or second year coordinator, obviously, in Sean Desai, but first year here in Philadelphia, first time play caller, offensive coordinator with Brian Johnson. Sean Desai was running away with it. I believe thoroughly that you have now Brian Johnson closing that gap between the way they started the season and right now. And one of the biggest things is you talk about the second half push that this team consistently has. Nick Sirianni has his fingerprints on this offensive game plan and play calling win the first 15 plays. I mean, that's more on him than it is Brian Johnson. To see him flourish in the second half and see the team flourish in the second half, and Jalen Hurts is obviously a huge part of that, I think is a huge feather in the cap for that of Brian Johnson. And let's, let's look at it again. He is a first-time play caller in the NFL. He is one point worse than Shane Steichen was last year in a Super Bowl season. He's about 30 yards fewer for the entire season than Shane Steichen was. And this is a guy doing it the first time in his career. I, I am willing not necessarily to give him a break, but I do see the light a little bit more with Brian Johnson, and there's a method to the madness more so in the second half than what I've seen. Question. I can go back to 2017 when the Eagles, in my opinion, were going through a similar situation. Doug Peterson had proclaimed that he was going to call the plays. Mm -hmm. Okay? The team got off to 
a shaky start. They weren't running the football. And, you know, I got the sense that Frank Reich, because he had been in the league so many more years than Doug Peterson, I had always said that Frank Reich is the voice of reason for Doug Peterson because it was clear that Doug wanted to throw the ball. And his mandate might have been to throw the ball. But when they really, when the offense really got to rolling, it was because they made a decision to run the football and it balanced everything up. I, I don't know. Maybe I submit to you guys if Nick Sirianni's fingerprint is all over this game plan and it's been all season long, when they start a game off with the intent to throw the football, it, it maybe is that, you know, Nick Sirianni's fingerprint so much more as it is Brian Johnson later on in the game being the voice of reason, saying that, hey, you know, this three and out, three and out, three and out, because, listen, what did the Eagles do? Let me get over here. They went touchdown, interception, punt, punt, fumble, half, punt, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So you can see the kind of inconsistency in the offense, you know, especially through the first three quarters before things started getting, you know, on track and they began to get on track because they began to run the football. So I ask you the question. You know, if Nick Sirianni wants to put his fingerprint on the offensive game plan, could it be that he is the one that really wants to pass the ball early in the game and Brian Johnson is the one that's the voice of reason later on down the road that's saying, hey, coach, maybe we need to rein this in a little bit and be a little more balanced in what we're doing. That is a great question for John McMullen. And I, I'm going <laughs> to let you ask that, that question to him. Uh, here's what I miss, Seth. I miss the quick slant to AJ. Now, I don't know if they're taking that away. I don't know whether the tight end being absent shuts that play down. But that play had tremendous, unstoppable success early in the season. Why aren't they running it? Because I think that there are some things that have to happen. You know, from a defensive perspective, you know, you kind of saw Tony Romo break down the shell, you know, in red today in in the broadcast about how they were playing. So they gave him one look, and then they rotated, you know, to, you know, a quarter-quarters halves look, you know, or a quarters look to make it seem like, okay, you know, we gave you one look, but we're not going to let you hit big plays down the field, you know. So a lot of times the quarterback will get to the line of scrimmage, and he's got a play call, and he may check the play at the line of scrimmage based upon what he sees and what he thinks that they're in. But once the play, the defense begins to morph, and they disguise and, and the ball is snapped and now they move to something else, it changes the play and it changes what your adjustment possibly could be. And a lot of it, too, is I can't see. I got to go back and look at the film. It sound like Nick Sirianni. Now. <laughs> I got to go back and look at the film to find out how they're playing A.J., you know, because if they're going to double him, like if I was going to double A.J. and I'm trying to take him away, I want my corner playing inside technique and I'm going to shade the safety his way. So, in other words, I want the safety to force the outside release and get on his inside hip and be two yards behind him in a yard in a yard inside. Now, anything, any outbreaking route, I got safety help. Anything that's breaking in or anything shallow, the guy that's, that's pressing him and making him release outside, he's responsible for that. And you can shut all windows. Out route, he's in the window. In route, he's in the window. Any kind of any kind of skinny post. Or post route, he's in the window, and the and the pass has to go over the top and out of and outside because he has safety help. That could be a reason why you're not seeing as many slants as you saw earlier in the season. So it really all depends on how defenses are now playing him. 
and and when you don't have Dallas Goddard, you, you have to factor that in. Yeah. You don't have Dallas Goddard and you don't have Lane Johnson. You know, one of the interceptions today came because Leonard Little, you know, batted the ball up in the air. Lane Johnson's not allowing that to happen because really what's supposed to happen, you're supposed to cut that guy. That guy's supposed to be cut down. So when you run that read option, cut him. So if he wants to throw it, now the lane is there. But there's all these factors that factor into why A.J. the last two weeks is not having the, the type of games that he's had, you know, early in the season. But this is what makes Jalen Hurts so good at the same time because you look at A.J. Brown, he's going absolutely off in the beginning of the year and everybody's saying – He's a top wide receiver in the NFL. Then all of a sudden teams are starting to figure out maybe how to cover him just a little bit without Dallas Goddard. And Jalen Hurts finds other ways to win, whether it's with his legs, throwing to Devontae Smith, stall we saw today as well. Jalen Hurts right now put this team on his back and continues to do so. And I said it earlier in the week that he's the reason they win ball games. Josh Allen, he's now 0-6 in overtime. Jalen Hurts, not the same thing. And you guys have talked about you don't want the Eagles to necessarily peak right now. You want to wait until later in the season. But for Philadelphia, last year it was a flashy season. They had a lot of good things. They were winning games, and you felt confident about every single win. Is the identity this year, though, just to battle it out and win games and find ways to win no matter if you're down or up against good or bad teams? I think it's that way every single year. I don't think it ever really changes. You know, we talked about it in the pregame, how Jason Kelsey has said it, Jalen Hurts has said it, excuse me, and even Nick Sirianni said it. Every year is a different year, and it has its different challenges, and it's, you know, it's different obstacles. And I think what you're seeing is teams are – trying to figure out ways, you know, to mix up what they're doing. You cannot give Jalen Hurts the same look all the time and think that, you know, you're going to beat him that way. You've got to disguise what you do. you got to give him some new things. You know, you got to play some zone. you got to play some man. you got to play some combinations of half zone and half man, you know, if you will. You, 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 there's just so many different things that you have to do. And I think that teams are figuring it out. Good defensive coordinators look at when – defenses have success against successful quarterbacks and they say to themselves well we do something similar to that we can take some of that and incorporate what they're doing into what we do to give him a different look because what is Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson doing they're looking at how defenses play from week to week and they're game planning based upon what defenses are showing them so if you can come up with something just a little wrinkle here a little wrinkle there to give Jalen and, and Brian and Nick something different to think about or something to have to adjust to during the game, then you're doing your job. And I think also when you talk about the players not wanting to peak until the end of the season, the coaches are also going to get better and better, especially the coordinators, I think, every single game. Mike, I'm going to go to you, though, because you have said before that kickers may not be real football players. Jake <laughs> Elliott once again proves that right. he may be the best Eagles kicker in history. He puts the team on his back once again. He is Mr. Dependable. What do you have to say about that now? Uh, <laughs> kickers are kickers. Uh, they're not football players, but they're necessary. And they're, they're a necessary evil. In, 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 in they're not, but, they're, they're not but, football players until you need them to make a 59-yarder. It's like a lawyer. You know, huh? they're, they're not real people unless you need one. That's the same kind of analogy, <laughs> uh, but 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 I am. Good I'm, thing you're I'm, a lawyer, Mike. He's, <laughs> <laughs> he's, so, he, he's so reliable that like I have no doubt that he's going to make that's going to be three points every time he lines it up. Even like I thought this field goal was going to be larger than sixty yards, and I go, I, so what? Like he's got like it's even at sixty-two. 
uh, he's going to make that kick. Yeah. So when he's lining up for 59 at that point, I, what I tell you, I go, that's that's good. I'd never seen him more confident it's good. It's good. and calm like, about I, anything. I've never really, and I'm like, player. it's a marshy, yeah. it's a marshy <laughs> I mean, field. Listen, I, I, I know I go off on kickers because I have that, that much respect for football players that really dig in and blood, sweat, and tears and the whole thing. Uh, but this guy is as important, uh, plays an important role for this team as anybody because he gives you points every week. And, and every week you don't have any angst. How many kickers have we had to go through where you go, oh, you, know, it's gonna, you never know, right? It, it's, you always know with this guy. Well, I think anything like it. I think it's a matter of maturity because, you know, there's been times over the last two or three years where, you know, he'd line up and we'd wonder. There's times where, you know, he sprayed a, an extra point here or there. But it seems like the bigger the kick now, the more sure you are that he's going to put it through. And I'm going to tell you right now, that kick might have been good from like 68, 69 yards because from 59, it went in the net. He drilled it too, mm-hmm. which I go, okay, Buffalo knows that he's got to kick this low. Like you would think that that would be at a risk to, to, have to get blocked. But he, he just like phenom- he's a phenomenal – and, and the, as the longer it's going on, Seth, to your point, he's got such supreme confidence now. Like, you, like look at that other kicker. Like that guy Tyler comes Bass. out, yeah, Tyler Bass. And he gets a kick fly, he misses another one in the right, and and that teams, was a big miss. Teams go through that every week with their kicker. They never know from from one kick to the next. Listen, you have Justin Tucker. I get it. There's some kickers in the league that have that kind of security, but this guy's about as secure a kicker as I've ever seen. So well, Bass for the time being, he's a football player, Caleb. Bass <laughs> just for this week, right? Today, man. Yeah, Bass Bass gets one block. Then he then he turns around. And misses one. You talk about the psychological thing that's going on. The thing with Jake, Jake will miss the extra point and then make the next 10 kicks in a row. Yeah. I mean, no problem. It, it just doesn't affect him psychologically. And I think that's what makes him so powerful in a game like this. And scrolling through social media, just seeing what everybody thinks about Jake Elliott, they say, okay, Elliott or David Akers for the Philadelphia Eagles as the best in history? I think right now there's no debate, right? I, I, I did not think there was a debate before today, <laughs> in, all, in all honesty. As much as I, I wasn't confident he was going to make the 59-yard field goal uh, at that point in the game. But, I mean, he's won a Super Bowl. I mean, he is money from 50-plus out, made more, he's more consistent. I don't even think it's a question at this point, and this is all due respect in the world to David Akers. It wasn't like I was just rooting for someone to just take David Akers' <laughs> spot as the best kicker in Eagles history. But I think that a guy like Jake Elliott has taken it and absolutely run with it cons- we just, consistently. We just have to compare, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. We can't be. We got to debate, right? We got to debate something. You can't. You can't be grateful <laughs> for what David Akers presented. I'm to grateful. The team and be grateful for where you know Jake Elliott is right now. We well, got. We got to compare. Him, I believe right? it was t- Teddy Roosevelt comparison is the thief. Of, thief of joy. 100%. Yeah. That's my point. No, 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 I'm agree. But, well, but you're going to run point. into David. He still goes to the Jersey Shore, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's still got a huge play, fan. Place in Ocean City. You're going to run into him far as that. Yeah. Up. He's not going to be happy. You ain't no Jake Elliott. Apparently. You ain't no Jake Elliott. No, I, all the respect <laughs> in the world. But if you're, if you're asking me who's a better kicker, who's the best kicker in Eagles history, it's Jake Elliott. And talking about banking on Jake Elliott, you can also bank on Mark Strulers as they have great deals from now to November 30th. Give you five years to pay and up to $5,000 off. There's no reason to wait. And for Cyber Monday, you'll get 25% off plus free shipping for 24 hours only. Don't miss out on these fantastic deals. If you want to get somebody special a gift for Christmas, go to Mark Jewelers as that rounds out our diamond debate for this 
segment here. Fantastic game. I love when we don't have to debate about too much because at the end of the day, the Eagles are 10 and one, and I think we're all feeling pretty good. It's phenomenal. Uh, you're watching the Pontlet Hockey Eagles postgame show on 6abc.com and also on the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. And coming up, the great John McMullen. He covered the game at Lincoln Financial Field for Jacob Media, and uh, we'll get John Spin after this. Passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go birds! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season and let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Weather forecasting is a team game. We rely on each other every day, updating the models and passing along new critical information. We have a team of five experienced meteorologists and a specialized weather producer, Paul. Say hi, Paul. Sometimes what I see in the model, Cecily could see something different. That's when we come together as a team to make our most accurate prediction. And all of this backed by more than 100 AccuWeather scientists. It's a team game. And we have the best team in town. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Pongla Hockey Eagles postgame show. It's live from Ocean Casino, and this is a highlight uh, of the postgame show as we uh, roll on to Lincoln Financial Field where our guy, uh, John McMullen, who covered the game for Jacob Media, will explain uh, why and how the Eagles won this game. John, listen, uh, th this team just can't lose. Uh, and it probably goes hand in hand with uh, Jalen Hurts and, and the clutchness that he brings from week to week. Uh, and, you know, the numbers are what they are. Uh, the other guy accounts for 430 yards himself. 
Jalen wins the game. And the one-loss record we already know about. But his rating when tied or trailing is 113.4. I don't know what to say anymore. Another game, it looked like they were down and out. Now they win again. They're 10-1. and one. Explain it to me. Boy, I was hoping you guys could explain it to me. This one is this one is tough. You know, I I just saw Buffalo had over 500 uh, net yards, total offensive yards. Uh, they had 10 conversions or more on third down. Uh, they had a plus turnover margin. That's happened 40 times. Uh, the, the, previously, those teams were 39 and 0. Uh, now they're 39 and 1. You mentioned, I've never seen, Jalen Hurts was deep into the first half, and he had the Blutarski, the 0.0 passer rating. And in the second half, deep into the second half, he had 158.3, which is perfect. <laughs> I, I, I've never seen anything like it. It, it. Usually, when you watch a football game, when you watch sports, you know when a team doesn't have it. With the Eagles, they're so relentless. They can play poorly, play poorly, play poorly, and then bang, the switch goes on. Um, you know, all I can say is winning is a trait, and they have mastered that trait. Nick Sirianni's the third coach to start consecutive seasons, 10-1. and one. The other two are Don Shula, Tony Dungy. They're in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, what more did Jalen Hurts is 14-0, and 0 in his last 14 games against teams with a winning record. That's the best mark since 1950. 1950. Um, and yet, you know, the first half, I had everybody calling for Brian Johnson to be fired and this and that. It, it, they were booed off the field. It's kind of amazing. These, I talk about it all the time. These are the glory days of the Philadelphia Eagles. All due respect to Seth, who was on some great teams. They've never had anything like this run, and it keeps going. It's pretty amazing. Let's talk about that switch for a second, John, because I'm very curious. We were debating this earlier. Uh, Nick Sirianni or Brian Johnson, when you see the play calls early in the game, for instance, this particular game where you don't have Lane Johnson and you throw the ball three consecutive times to start out the game and the play calling is not exactly having a lot of success in that first half, who are we to credit other than Jalen Hurts' superhuman ability, it seems like, as a quarterback, who are we to credit with the game plan in the first half versus the game plan in the second half with the adjustments and the success they're able to have in that second half versus the first half? Who gets most of that credit well, from a coaching always, standpoint? Well, I think it's always about the players first. It's always about execution. So, And, and they'll say the same thing. You know, the, the most honest I always say Nick is, is, you know, he says, show me a good coach, I'll show you a bunch of good players. So you can't win. You look in New England right now, it's not like Bill Belichick woke up one day and couldn't coach football anymore. He doesn't have a ton of talent. So you could maybe criticize the, the Bill Belichick, the GM, but it's not like he forgot how to coach football. If you don't have players, you can't win. So it always starts with the players. And, you know, there's certain guys, I always make the baseball analogy. Jalen Hurts reminds me of the old school starting pitcher who maybe doesn't have his A-level stuff, finds a way to grind through and win a game. Um, now they only pitch four or five innings, so it doesn't matter. But back in the old days, he would have to grind through. That's what he does. He didn't have his A game today, but he grinded through. It's what he always does. And by the end, 
when Buffalo didn't score the touchdown, you had the feeling like Eagles are going to win this game in overtime. And they did. John, you talked about how this is the glory days for this Philadelphia Eagles team. You've been covering this team for a long time. Have you ever seen a kicker more clutch than Jake Elliott? No, no. I, I mean, 59 yards in this weather. I don't, I don't think you guys understand. That's why he hit it like a three iron. Uh, he just crushed that thing, but it was really low. Um, he was in the open end of the field. It's more difficult. Uh, for those who know Lincoln Financial Field, the open end, it's more difficult to kick at that. The wind was swirling, said it was a crosswind. And we talked about it. Jake has sort of rated his toughest kicks, the 61 yarders, the Super Bowl kick. He said, you know, he'll think about it, but this, this was the toughest kick he ever made. And, you know, if you don't even get to overtime without that kick. He's never missed a kick in the final two minutes to tie or win a game. Doesn't get much better than that. There's not too many kickers that can say that. And it's not like there have been easy ones. You know, you're kicking 35 yarders. He's got a 61 yarder. He's got a 56 yarder. This one, 59 in horrible weather. Um, yeah, he's, he's special as kickers go. Hey, Mike, I know that, uh, uh, John, I'm sorry. If, Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and no one else on that team will talk about the lack of respect that not only the team gets, but Jalen Hurts gets. Um, no other player in the National Football League is lighting it up, um, and no other team through the first 11 or 12 games of the season have double-digit wins. Um, in your opinion, the way that Jalen Hurts has played thus far, um, should he not be in the top two discussion as, you know, for league MVP at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, he, I think he was the favorite coming into this week um, on most of the betting markets, which is kind of meaningless. But, uh, yeah, I don't I, – I think people in the league realize just how difficult he is to deal with. Um, I think a lot of that, Seth, comes from, you know – maybe certain media people, certain fans who value statistics, and he's just not. Number one, this is not a statistic bent sport to begin with because unbalanced schedules, small sample size, everybody doesn't play the same schedule. They don't play the same teams. Um, you know, you have, you might get some garbage time yards here or there. Guy just wins. I, I, I gave you the number 14 and 0 against winning teams forget about the 27 and 2 i think he's 15 and 1 now with his last 16 at lincoln financial field he's 14 and 0 against winning teams he's won 14 in a row against in theory the best competition and that hasn't been done since 1950. so i always to me the standard for consistency in the regular season is either Pete Manning or Tom Brady. You you went into a season with those guys in the prime of their career saying, if you win 10 games, that's a bad season for them. A good season would be 13. And then you move up from there. Their consistency from week to week was just unparalleled. That's where the Eagles are right now. They're that. And it John, doesn't happen. You know, the reason I asked the question is the lack of respect 
that not only the Eagles, but Jalen Hurts gets around the country. We talked about it in the po- in the pregame. We talked about it in the postgame. Last week, all that everybody wanted to talk about was what Kansas City did wrong that allowed the Eagles to win the game rather than, you know, what Jalen Hurts and the Eagles did to actually win the game. Um, if the number one, you know, metric is if, uh, the most valuable player, and I'm just, I'm just talking about it because, you know, it's on my mind right now. The most valuable player means the most valuable player to your team's success, okay? And the Eagles has had massive success over the last two years, even going into this year. They're the only team with double-digit wins. They're the only team with only one loss, you know, through 12 weeks of the season, you know? How in the world is he not considered one of the best? Why are why is everybody not talking about what Jalen Hurts is doing? Yes, he's had some rough patches, but I've seen a whole lot of other quarterbacks in the league have rough patches and find out find ways to win. This guy finds ways to win every single week, okay? And if and if this is a quarterback-driven league and you have to have a good quarterback to win, isn't he the epitome of that right now? Yeah, I mean, I and I feel very comfortable. Look, if they go 16-1, and one, if they finish this off and don't lose again, he's going to be the MVP. I wouldn't even worry about it. And, and by the way, the Eagles' goal is far bigger than that. I mean, they want to win the Super Bowl. So, um, but yeah, if they continue on this pace and keep finding ways to win the game, he's going to be the MVP. Um, and I'm sure there'll be certain people and certain uh, lots of life who criticize him, but that's just, you know, that's just people. I mean, Cowboys fans don't like him. Chiefs fans don't like him. If you go back to the Super Bowl, you know, you can you can play that game in every single NFL game, Seth, unless it's a blowout. Um, you know, Jalen has doesn't have the unforced error. If Quez Watkins doesn't drop that pass, people are talking about drop passes last week in Kansas City. Well, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. You can play that game um, in Kansas City last week, and that's what Chiefs fans did. Um, that's what Eagles fans would do. That's just what fans do. So I, I wouldn't get too worked up about that. I mean, the guy just – the word I use is relentless. The Eagles are relentless. They, they never stop coming at you. You're, today was the closest you're like, all right, they're just playing a horrible football game. Um, Buffalo's a talented team. Nope, they just come back and they keep pressing and keep pressing. And it was the Bradbury interception where he said, there it is. And the Eagles are back in the game, take the lead and ultimately persevere. But yeah, I mean, when when you're 10 and one, what else can you do but nitpick? So people are going to look at <laughs> The Bills, the Bills ran 92 offensive plays, <laughs> 92. Nick Nick was exhausted um, on the podium, and I kind of was talking to him a little bit off the podium. Um, everybody was soaked. Everybody was with with rain and sweat. Um, and even if you take away the overtime, the defense was out there for 80 plays. Um, so. It was hardly a masterpiece, but the scoreboard is where it always is. Eagles win. John, on that note, here's the thing that sticks out to me. The other teams miss opportunities. Like last week, the Valdez-Scantling. In this game, 
Cook on a wheel route should have had a touchdown. Diggs was wide no. open in the end zone in overtime and peeled out to the left when the quarterback said. The Eagles don't seem to miss those kind of opportunities, which means at the end of the day, that consistency, they make more big plays than the other team. But I can't remember when they, they have squandered something like that, when they would make a mistake like the Bills did or the Chiefs did last week. Yeah, I mean, and and I get it. If 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 a Baldess Cantling catches the football last week, I mean, if Jake misses, I expect him to miss a fifty-nine yard field goal in a freaking monsoon. <laughs> Everybody else would, you know, game's over, uh, and everybody says, "Oh, you know, Eagles played poorly," but yeah, they take advantage of these situations, and um, you know, you mentioned the the play to Diggs. Yeah, he was open. Yeah, if Josh Allen gets him the football. But, you know, the reason he didn't is because the Eagles blitzed on that play and he was hurried and he threw the ball inside instead of outside. So they kind of made their own fortune on that. And obviously when you execute the way Jake did, you need credit for that. But you you, you can wonder and say, boy, at one point, on one point on one game day down the road is one of these things not going to go the Eagles way. And I get people thinking about that, but. Well, but, but I, I, mean, guess, they, I guess my point is uh, this is uh, obviously it's got to be a product of really sound coaching that they don't blow opportunities like other teams seem to blow. I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to get at. Is Nick Sirianni a great coach because they don't miss those kind of opportunities and other teams do? Well, I, I, I go back to the talent. I don't want to overstate, you know, I, I think Nick's a very good coach. He just did something two other Hall of Fame coaches did, nobody else. So he's clearly a pretty good football coach. Um, but, you know, they have tremendous talent as well. Howie Roseman deserves a ton of credit for putting together, if it's not the best roster in the NFL, you're going to see the other one that might be in the equation next week with San Francisco. Um, they're very deep. They're very talented. Um, so that's part of it. Um, yeah, they just have good players. I mean, there are a couple kickers, Justin Tucker, you might feel somewhat comfortable with, uh, but there aren't too many kickers you're feeling comfortable with um, in that type of situation. Um, you know, we talk about Lane Johnson going down and, and the Eagles were, I think the number was 10 and 22 since 2016. And you start saying, well, they don't have Lane. Fletcher went down for a long period of time, came back, had to leave again. Uh, Jordan Davis got banged up at the end. Jalen Carter got banged up at one point. By the way, Jalen Carter, that block kick, I mean, he keeps making plays week after week. The fact that the rest of the NFL handed Howie a gift with Jalen Carter. A lot of things have gone right for this particular team. And it's up and down the roster. But um, at most, I, I always lean talent first. But they're very well coached. And they have a tremendous GM. And that's why they're, they are where they are. John, you talked about the incredible start to the last two seasons here, especially for Nick Sirianni, 10-1 back-to-back years. No one's done that, you know, in forever. And you look at this 
particular team now. And I want to go to something else here, and that's just a feeling of confidence in watching this team and expecting them to win. You said they haven't had a run like that. I can't remember a run other than the Super Bowl run where it just felt like no matter what adversity the team was facing, especially in the second half of a game, and even this is at a higher rate than that, you always felt like this team was going to make the bigger play or make the more clutch play to solidify a win or continue a comeback. And last week, you look at the situation against Kansas City Chiefs as a perfect perfect example of that with the interception in the end zone, punching the ball free of Travis Kelsey, and then just waiting there, lying in the weeds, James Bradbury, to yet again be able to pack off a guy, uh, pick off a guy like uh, Josh Allen. And I just feel like in watching this team, they have that big play time and time again, whether it's a turnover or a clutch play by Jalen Hurts, where they're going to make that big play in order to solidify a win or you know really polish off a comeback. Do you go back to that Super Bowl year, that Super Bowl run, and have a similar type of feeling when you look at this football team? Well, and, and, and I said it, a lot of people don't like it when I say it, but I said it last year as well. Um, this team's better than that Super Bowl team. And I covered that team every day for every day of that season. This team's more talented. It's deeper. Um, it's a better team. But a lot of things have to go right to win a Super Bowl. A lot of stars have to align. Um, you can't get the, the right injury at the wrong time. Um, you know, the football's it, – it, it, it is what it is. Sometimes it, it, it bounces in crazy ways and things like that. I the, the Eagles outplayed Kansas City last year in the Super Bowl. They didn't win the game. They didn't we talked about the unforced error by Jalen Hurts, the drop by Quez Watkins, the punt return, the blown coverages. I don't want to relitigate that, but that that team was better than the Doug Peterson, Jim Sports team. Um this team's better. They won't be regarded as that unless they finish the deal. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to do that um, because the best team doesn't always win. I always go back to the 16-0 and Patriots. The New York Giants weren't better than the Patriots, but they won on that particular day. Um, it can happen. But I, I would tell fans to enjoy this team because – this this team is is special it doesn't happen don't get used to it it's not going to be this way forever <laughs> john I'm, I'm going to enjoy it but i got to talk to you about something negative here for a second so this eagles defense number one rushing defense in the league coming in first nine games of the year opponents were only averaging 66 yards against the last two games you saw the chiefs go for 168 you saw Buffalo tonight go for 173. Is that something to be concerned about? Have teams figured out how to run the ball on this defense? No. Well, I thought Kansas City did a good job, and they kind of out-physicaled uh, the Eagles, especially early in that game, which you rarely see. And I think the Eagles kind of corrected it a little bit later. Um, today was all Josh Allen. I mean, if you look at if you look at the actual running backs – and I'll, I'll pull it up here real quick. Coke averaged 2.7 yards a carry. Murray averaged 3.3. Johnson averaged 3.2. They were getting nowhere. Um, Josh Allen is responsible for 81 yards by himself on nine carries. 
And, you know, he's a guy where you just – sometimes you have to tip your cap to the other team, and they have really good players. He's really difficult to deal with, especially when he gets outside the pocket, the open field as a runner. Um, so the traditional running game, the Eagles completely shut it down. They had trouble with Josh Allen. So you don't play Josh Allen every week. I wouldn't be too concerned over that. Um, and Milton Williams is out. Milton's a, a very good run defender. <clears throat> but I got to tell you, Jordan Davis, yeah, and that's the reason. Even in overtime, it was, you know, they went almost ran the football in first down, got nothing. Josh Allen would face a third and long and convert it. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the traditional running game for Buffalo was effective at all, to be honest. John, I, I am a little concerned with how with, with the defensive um, run defense the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to run the numbers here right quick as I talk to you. So they had 92 total yards by the um, by the running backs. Yeah, they, they averaged 2.8 yards per carry. But I think the combination of um, how the running backs was running the ball and when you put that together with how the Eagles are running the ball, I mean, I mean how, how Josh Allen was running the ball gives you the numbers that you get. You know, the same thing with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, you know, rushed for 65 yards today. The Eagles ran the ball 32 times for 185 yards. The Bills ran it 40 times for 173 yards. Um, and, and, and when you look at the game, what the Bills did, you know, was kind of a microcosm of what the Eagles were actually doing to the Bills. They spread them out. They go, you know, the, the Eagles obviously want to go too high safety, you know, because they're being spread out. So when you go too high safety, that linebacker has to leave the box and actually go to the third receiver. Now you got quarterback draws and all of these other runs that you can actually run. The Eagles' problem in the run game to me is on first and second down, they cannot stop the run out of their four-man line. You know, they have to go to the five-man line, which then makes them even that much weaker, you know, behind, behind the defense. Um, how do they rectify that? Th this is one of those situations we were talking about early. This is one of those situations where the lack of equity in the linebacker position comes to fruition. Um, and to me, it will continue to be, you know, a problem because if you can't stop the run in the four-man line, then offenses actually force you into the five-man look. Well, I think the Eagles want to be in that when, when Milton is healthy. They started with, with the 40 front today because Milton wasn't healthy. And when they went to 50, it was um, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith and Brandon Graham. Typically, it's it's Jordan Davis, Cox, Williams, um, Hassan Reddick, and Josh Sweat. When that fivesome is out there, they're really, really good, and I think they want to be out there to turn first and 10 into second and nine or third and eight, and they've been generally very effective in that for most of the season. As I said, the first half in Kansas City, yes, they had a little bit of trouble I think they were out physical, as I mentioned, which is rare. Um, but I think they corrected that. Well, you're right. They were they were down a little bit. Milton's one of those guys who I, 
you know, he's in the conversation to be the most underrated player on this team this year. And I think people look at it and say, ah, Milton's not going to be there because he doesn't make a lot of big plays or splashy plays. But he's really important to what they do. And they had to ship gears. And then they lost uh, Zach Cunningham to a hamstring injury. And all of a sudden, Christian Ellis is out there. But as I said, you go to the overtime, and it got to the point where, okay, so they get the ball to 25, first and 10. It was cooked uh, for one yard and incompletion. And then Josh Allen's got to make a play. Um, and then it was first and 10 at the 39. It was cooked for one yard. Uh, and then it was second and nine, incomplete, third and nine. He's got to make a play. Scramble for 15. All of a sudden, it's first and 10 at the 45. That time, they went right to the pass because the run game wasn't working. And they could bird again. And then it's first and 10 at the Eagles 26. So Tavius Murray for no game. And they're second and 10. Um, and he's got to make plays. They couldn't run the ball at all, traditionally. And that's the overtime with the 12-play drive because Josh Allen kept making plays. Um, and that's why I said Josh Allen is really, really difficult to deal with. And there are certain guys, Lamar Jackson, um, he was playing right now, I think. Uh, Justin Fields um, tomorrow will be on Monday Night Football. They're going to get rushing yards. It's just part of it. And Josh is one of those guys. I tell you what. But you don't you know, play those guys every week. Right. I, I tell you what. I know that, um, you know, I know that they were thin today. And I was talking, we were talking about while we were watching the game. I was like, you know, I would kick Brandon Graham down, you know, to tackle in obvious passing situations. John, I, I, <laughs> I believe that, you know, at this point in his career, he may be a better defensive tackle than he is, you know, a defensive end. And I'd be trying to figure out a way to get that guy re-signed because I think that he's got at least another two years left in him. If they can move him inside in passing situations and sparingly use him on the outside if Nolan Smith can come along. Because I just think that he is, you know, that sack he had, you know, from the tackle position today was massive, massive. They hadn't gotten to, you know, Josh Allen all day long. He just destroyed that guard. Yeah, and and, and by, I'm glad you mentioned BG Seth because today was game number 189. No player in the history of the Philadelphia Eagles has played more games than Brandon Graham, which is amazing if you think about where he started and people were calling him a bust and Chip Kelly was going to cut him for Travis Long, if anybody remembers Travis Long. And he ultimately turns into one of the franchise's all-time great players, made arguably the biggest play in franchise history. People talk about the Philly special, but what won the game, what won the Super Bowl was Brandon Graham strip sack. Um, he is a tremendous player. He is sort of the temperature of this team. Um, he sets the tone with the trash talk and his personality and the energy. Uh, he wants to play 15 years. This is his 14th year. I agree with you. I think the Eagles should bring him back for one more year. We'll see if they do it. But he can still play, and he, he, he proves it every week, and he's part of that great defensive front 
And it's just amazing to me that no eagle has played. He is the longest tenured eagle of all time. John, we appreciate the knowledge. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, this is a team that just uh, refuses to lose. <laughs> They're 10-1, and, and the next week's a challenge, yes. Yeah, so we'll catch you next week. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. All right, so John McMullen brought to us by DelVal Insurance, where you can save up to 40% on your car insurance right now. All you got to do is call partners Fran or Jim at DelVal Insurance. Here's how you can connect. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the Oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. My name is uh, Fran Solano. I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. And the big story on Action News. Plus special programming, breaking news, 
and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You heard us talk a lot about this here on Jacob Media, and it's our great partnership with the EBOD Foundation, the EBOD Foundation to help combat Alzheimer's as well as dementia. And we have a very special event going on right here at Jacob Media that involves yours truly, Derek Gunn, Seth Joyner, as well as Mike Missinelli, when you could get involved in the big score for a cure contest. And what does that get you? That gets you possibly tickets to the big game as well as $2,000 worth of spending money in Las Vegas. So do yourself a favor. Just like in football, you can only rely right now on the strength of your players and the strength of a community. And this football fan base and its community wants to help the people combat Alzheimer's with the EBOD Foundation. Right now, you could text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. That's 833-202-9835. And use promo codes Team Miss, Team Seth, Team Gun, and Team Farsi as well. Now, what does that win you? Well, I'll tell you this. It wins you two tickets to the big game. Two nights in a hotel, as well as $2,000 in cash expenses, all when you text the word SCORE to 833-202-9835. You win, and you get in. Simple as that. We'll be having a nice little friendly golf wager as well to help put you in the stands there for the big game. And still, somehow, magically, Team Miss, just ahead of Team Joiner with Team Gun coming up the rear, and me, distant fourth. Go figure. So make sure you guys take advantage of all they have to offer right there. And also, T uh, Tuesday is Giving Tuesday for the EBOD Foundation as well. That was very well done. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I need to extend my lead. So next week uh, on the show, I'll be wearing like a little Napoleon Dynamite action. <laughs> Vote for Mikey Miss t-shirt yeah. you better watch it. i'm gonna All have right. a jalen hurts like comeback vote in the for, second half vote for pedro vote for mikey miss self-promotion dynamite who anybody who gets just that self-promotion i actually yeah, i uh, listen, i admire it's, it it's getting it's too hell close move. now getting too close with seth <laughs> uh it is time for game balls and it's brought to you by colony pools check out flywithcolony.com let Co colony pools power wash your home good time to get it done by the way uh or if you need the pool closed you get that kelly green uh Pool closing, that, that's really cool. Like the canvas and Kelly Green. Uh, and also you can get a, a Kelly Green jersey. So check out the website, flywithcolony.com. Time for Game Balls, crew. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I sit here and I go, uh, how could I not give it to, to Jalen Hurts? Right? I mean, <laughs> is, there, is there really a debate on this right now? I mean, he, his numbers aren't great. Okay, you're not going to look at the numbers and see that it, it, it's a great numbers day for Jalen Hurts while the other guy accounted for 400-plus yards. But he, he makes the clutch plays and three touchdowns in the second half and the one pass on a scramble to Zacchaeus is just one of the great plays you're ever going to see. So game ball for me goes to Jalen Hurts. Well, it's hard to argue with that. Also, five touchdowns to uh, Josh Allen's measly four. <laughs> that guy sucks. Uh, but uh, the other thing to go with that, Mike, is I just saw this from the Eagles. I want to get this stat in right now. Uh, best coach quarterback record through the first 45 games. Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts are 34-11 and 11 in that stretch. They are up there with the names of Don Shula and Dan Marino. 35 and 10, LaFleur and Rodgers, whatever, mostly Rodgers, 36 and 9, and uh, Reed and Mahomes, who are pretty good at football as well, 36 and 9. That's the best 
since the merger in 1970. Brady and Belichick is not in there? Not on there, surprisingly. Really? That is surprising. All right. Not on there. I'll take that. Uh, that's according to the Elias Spirits. They, proli- they weren't that prolific until later on down the road. The defense was – the defense in the beginning was the part of that team that won them their first two Super Bowls. It wasn't until Peyton figured out how to beat them that they went to a spread offense and they just exploded offensively from there. Those first couple of years, it was the defense. The, Good trivia question. To, to answer your question, the, the, the question that's out there now regarding the, the, the game ball, I don't know how many times that we're getting an opportunity to do it. There's a couple of names that are out there. But I am just still baffled that somehow, magically, of all the times the football gods or sports gods have frowned on Philadelphia, Jalen Carter somehow became a member of the Philadelphia sports community <laughs> through that draft. And he came up with an epic game tonight, an incredible game tonight, was obviously a force to be reckoned with throughout the football game. But then you look at him, the way he was able to block that field goal, really helped turn the tides of the game. I'm going to give my game ball to Jalen Carter. That's a good one. I'm going to go with the other Jalen, though, and Jalen Hurts. I think I have to agree, you know, with Mike here. I think you look at this guy and you say, okay, five touchdowns is really good as well. The first player ever to have 10-plus consecutive touchdowns in three straight years. Not only that, but I feel like in recent memory for the Philadelphia Eagles, I have never thought of a quarterback that can go into a game with 90 seconds left on the clock, and I am sure that he can go up the field and win the game. You're talking about a guy that is trying to play on a level of confidence like Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes. When those guys go in, there could be 40 seconds left on the clock, and you're confident that they can go down the field and score the ball. That's what Jalen Hurts is turning into if he hasn't already. It's game after game. He looked maybe more brushed up last season, but the way that he's able to win and battle adversity this year, it's fantastic to see. I don't know how you can't. Oh, get and especially uh, Kayla with the, the the response in the first half when people were just ready. They had the knives out for him. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with him today? What's the deal with him today? Right? He's gonna it's find all, a way to win, though. The, the, the script get, always gets flipped. Seth, who's your game ball? It can't be anybody but Jalen Hurts. Four for eleven through the first half, and a touch to, and a, and an interception. Um, <laughs> seven carries. For 22 yards and 99 total net yards in the first half. And to walk away with a three-point win in this game. Um, the guy did it last week. He turned it on again this week. And I don't understand, you know, how it could be anybody else but that. You know, you go three touchdowns in a row. Then you punt. Then you go a field goal on a nine-play drive to tie the game. And then after giving up a field goal to have the lead, in, in the overtime, you drive your team nine plays, 75 yards, and cap it off with a quarterback run to, to win it in overtime. There is nobody else. You know, he is the heartbeat of the team. He is the reason why this team is winning the way they, they are. I don't care what anybody on the national level has to say. Jalen Hurts is a major player in the National Football League, and you can hate as long as you want. But 10-1 and one is 10-1, and one, and the proof is in the pudding. Point blank, period. If I had a mic, I wouldn't just drop it. I'd slam that son of a gun on the floor right now. You know who didn't give any love today? Maybe I'd give a, qu- a quarter of a game ball. DeAndre Swift had a quiet 80 yards, and he had a really big run. Uh, but let's go into our drive of the game because we have a couple ways we can go. The obvious thing is the drive of the game that wins it in overtime, which was a great drive. But for me, guys... Uh, Buffalo has a 10-point lead. It's 24-14. to 14. 
And the Eagles go seven plays, 75 yards on that drive to make it 24-21. Didn't take the lead, but it got them like right back in the swing of things. And it started out with, with a little four-yard uh, DeAndre Swift, and then they go 33 yards with a deep pass to the left side to Devontae Smith, and, and that got him into Buffalo territory. Um, from there, they're just chip away, chip away, chip away. And that's where the great play call, Brian Johnson, comes with the fake screen and then hitting Devontae in the middle for a 15-yard uh, TD. Seven plays, 50, 75 yards, to make it 24-21. To me, that's the drive of the game. I, I think with all the criticism that Brian Johnson has taken so far this season, there's one thing I think most people should be able to agree with. And that is when you break down a young player in the league, somebody that might have some promise, you say you've, you've seen flashes. You've seen flashes of something that could be great. I have certainly seen flashes, at least, from Brian Johnson this year. And I think if most people are being honest with themselves, fake screens have kind of been a big part of that flash. The jet sweep last week against Kansas City Chiefs, that was a flash. That fake screen in particular, where you're able to see Devontae Smith in the end zone for the touchdown, that was a flash of some great uh, play calling, and hopefully what's more great play calling to come from Brian Johnson. But, yeah, I think that was a great job and a great way to cap it off. I'm going to go with what was an interception that ended up turning into a score as well. You talk about James Bradbury, and we set it up in the green room. He was getting burnt a little bit, and then all of a sudden, he comes up with a huge play that we called at halftime. Josh Allen's going to turn the ball over. Well, it was James Bradbury that was able to make it happen. And then on third and 15, the third down game was going to the Buffalo Bills all night long. The Eagles defense just couldn't stop it. But third and 15... Jalen Hurts airs it out to Alameda Zacchaeus. You guys talked about it. Not only was it a fantastic catch, but also a great throw by Jalen Hurts. The confidence that he had to be able to do that, that puts them up in the game in the fourth quarter. And from there, for me, I said the Philadelphia Eagles, because of that play, that confidence, they're going to win the game. Seeing what Jalen can do with spreading the ball with other guys on the field is a big reason why they're able to win these games. And to your point, Seth, that was coached by Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. After, after the game, Lamade Zacchaeus, when he was addressing the media, flat out said, I just went where Jalen told me to go, and that's where the ball found him. Well, there's a lot of – there's a lot of um, – there's a lot of drives that you can pick here from the ninth – drive on they go tight touchdown 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 punt field goal touchdown to win the game and you can pick a lot of them but i agree with kayla here because third and 15 for a touchdown that is like insane because you know if they don't complete that more than likely they kick the field goal they kick the field goal they lose the game they don't win this game they lose the game you know they're down by seven instead of being down by three when, when, when Jake has to kick that field goal. So now we're throwing a Hail Mary and, and hoping that we come up with the play that actually wins the game. So that play was critical, mm-hmm. absolutely critical. It's one thing to be third and 15 and you figure out a way to convert it, but third and 15 for a touchdown, that's game-changing, season-changing, psych-changing, mentality-changing. It changed everything in that football game to me. I'm still going with the final drive of the game yeah. <laughs> for, for the touchdown. No, listen. Simply because they, they faced one third down on that entire drive, and they had everything clicking. They had to obviously score the touchdown for the win. Nobody wanted to see a tie, obviously, but to see them be able Mike to convert did. the way they did. <laughs> you picked the drive of the game as the one that actually wins the game. How dare I? <laughs> I gave Jalen Hurts a game ball, or Jalen Carter a game ball. I had to capitalize on one of these. Hey, listen, it's, don't get me wrong, Mark. It's a great drive. Mm-hmm. But they don't get to that point without that third and 15 completion. Sure. You know, the, the Bradbury interception, the first turnover of the game, they capitalize on it. Something that the Eagles have not been doing, the other teams have been doing to our defense, is they've been converting turnovers to points. They actually converted 
you know, that turnover to seven points, and it was it, it was huge because if they kick a field goal there, you know Jake Elliott's going to make that field goal. You know, they're in a four-point deficit, you know, in the big scheme of things, and they probably don't win that football game. And guess what? It wasn't A.J. Brown. It wasn't Devontae Smith. It was Alameda Zacchaeus. Jalen Hurts able to find everybody <laughs> a big reason why he could be and is in the MVP conversation right now. All right. Our drive of the game is presented by uh, Rafferty Subaru. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. And it's time for our injury update from his home studio. It's the great Dr. Bruce Grossinger. Dr. Bruce, uh, uh, a couple of, uh, they lost a couple of guys, got, got banged up today. So uh, what's the, what did you see out there with the injury uh, list? Well, two of them were really important because they're two of the best run stoppers. Fletcher Cox had a groin injury. He basically slipped and did a split. And when you're 330 pounds, that's not a good thing. But he was able to stand uh, on the sidelines. He didn't have to go into the locker room. But a big loss there. Zach Cunningham, as you all pointed out, I think the best run stopper, most physical uh, player, also with those wet conditions, had a hyperextended uh, uh, semi-membranosis. In, in layman's terms, he had a hamstring pull. And you know how hamstrings are there. You never know. But the good news is Lane Johnson had some groin soreness, and he's supposed to be back next week. And now we're still doing the countdown for Dallas Goddard. Uh, two weeks to play, and obviously he's a tremendous uh, asset to the team. Doc, uh, when you do talk about Lane Johnson here, one of the things I'm concerned about is the extended period of time that he could miss. I understand he's, he's fought through high ankle sprains before many times in his career, ankle sprains in his career. Why is it so necessary that a groin injury is going to keep him out for this game? In the offseason, he underwent surgery for an adductor, which is really essentially the groin. So they actually did a, uh, a surgery where they uh, attached his adductor, and so that's exactly the area that he, where he felt soreness. So I think given the fact that he had a tear in surgery, they used an abundance of caution today, particularly with the inclement weather. And Doc, uh, for Fletcher Cox with that groin injury, how much do you think that it's going to make him maybe play only 50% next week against San Fran, or do you think he's good to go considering he was able to finish out the game today? Well, he's able to stand, just to clarify, he's able to stand on the sidelines in a, a really, you know, he's able to stand maybe for an hour and a half, so that's a good sign. As far as the percentage, I, I just hope that he's able to uh, to be effective in play. But if so, he'll probably play about the same percentage, maybe 30 to 40% of the snaps. That would be an educated guess. Doc, out of all the people that are injured, the guy that concerns me the most is Lane Johnson at this point in time. Um, groin tightness or groin soreness, you know, was the report. How likely – you know, is it that he's going to be able to be 100% next week or be in a position where he can actually step back out on the field? The team is obviously at a massive, massive disadvantage when he's not on the field for a myriad of different reasons. Is his injury something that can be, you know, overcome in a short period of time from this Sunday to next Sunday, I should say? It's a great question. So, again, he did practice – the last two days and he even practiced before the game today and it was determined by the trainers the coaches himself to keep him out so i think it was growing soreness as opposed to a growing tear so if we presume that it'll be a dry field you know luckily 
November, December, the, this is the driest time of year. So if we presume it'll be a dry field, I think he will go. And I agree with you, he's the most important player, particularly against a physical team like the 49ers. Doc, thanks uh, for hanging out with us. We appreciate the knowledge, and uh, we will catch you next week. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. All right, let's take a big break, our last break of the, uh, the show, and come back and look at the monster game. It's like we thought this was a monster game. Next week, it's even bigger as the 49ers come to town. We'll be uh, back to talk about that and to wrap it up right here on the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show right back after this. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. My name's Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you're having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. And down the stretch we come on the Pondland Hockey Eagles postgame show live from Ocean Casino where the Eagles win another game. They're the team that can't lose. They're the team that won't lose. They win in overtime today. But next week, another monster challenge as the San Francisco 49ers come to town in a revenge situation loaded for bear. They're 8-3, the 49ers. And if they have any hope 
of the number one seed in the NFC. Next week at Lincoln Financial Field is a must-win for the Niners. How are we feeling about it? Uh, how do you still not feel great? I mean, look, this is the biggest game of the year. I, I mean, everyone wants to put the focus on the Cowboys. We know when the push comes to shove in the playoffs, the Cowboys are going to choke. This 49ers team is a better 49ers team than the team that came in here for the NFC Championship game. Anyone being honest with themselves knows that, but I'm still confident that the Eagles win this game. What I don't like is the fact that the Eagles are really banged up now going into this particular game, and the 49ers are coming off a game where they obviously are very well rested having played on Thanksgiving. But no excuses. Eagles should still win this game. Uh, from what I saw also, point and a half underdogs going into that game at uh, home. Is that right? Yeah. The Eagles are the underdogs? The Eagles, point and a half underdogs. Wow. Well, Seth, how do you feel about that? I'll let Kayla go. <laughs> no go, go, go. Go ahead, Kayla. No one likes us, and we don't care. That's been the Eagles' <laughs> motto for so long now. But listen, I think this is going to be a really exciting game. The last thing I need, though, is San Francisco and their fans going crying after they lose at the link once again. I'm confident in the Philadelphia Eagles. I've come up here and say I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. The one thing that I saw this week was the second-half adjustments by Brian Johnson. Whether that was Nick Sirianni over his head or it was all Brian Johnson – no matter what, they made it work on the offensive side of things. Now, you hope for Philadelphia that they're able to come out in the first half and get the run game going a little bit more. But the one thing I've been preaching all season long is Brian Johnson needs to make adjustments, and he's been able to do so. Now, if you don't have Lane Johnson back, definitely going to be a little bit tough of an offensive night for Philadelphia. A lot of the pressure is going to come to Jalen Hurts, especially with Nick Bosa and Chase Young coming off the edge. But at the same time, Jalen Hurts wins football games. It's at the link. I'm confident in Philadelphia, and I think they come out with a win next week. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> By the way, one-point underdog. Are there one They're one-point underdog. Point underdog. Seth, I'm getting a vibe from you that you're not feeling it next week. Um, to be honest with you, Mike, I, I, don't, I don't have the same urgency about this game that you guys do. I really don't. The Eagles have a two-game lead. They need to win, in my opinion, one of the two next games, okay, which keeps them in seed number one because there's no way that they're losing to Seattle, the Giants twice, and the, and, and the, um, and the Cardinals. Um, so the Eagles are beat up. The 49ers are going to come in here breathing fire. That's fine. We need to beat them when it really matters, and that's in the NFC Championship. So – is it a game that we want to win? Absolutely. We want to win every single game that we line up between the white lines and play. But it's not as urgent of, the, of a game for me as it is, you know, for everybody else. Because um, bragging routes mean nothing during the season where the rubber really meets the road is during the, is, is during the postseason. You know, now, they're a better football team. You know, the Eagles are not going to survive with Jack, Jack Driscoll lined up against Nick Bosa all day long, you know. That's a slaughter waiting to happen. Um, but I feel like the Eagles have to figure out a way because they're going to they're gonna face two sides to this 49ers offense. From one perspective, you know, they're a very physical team the way they like to run the ball. And when they can mix and match, you know, um, Debo Samuels, jet sweeps, put him in the backfield, hand him the ball, and then turn around and feed McCaffrey the ball. Their, their run game is going to have to be on point. And I would venture to say that they're probably going to have to play a lot more five-man than they really want to because that's the only way they're going to be able to control this run game. But then they get, you know, they turn into a finesse team with all the motion 
and all the stuff that they got going, all the eye candy that they try to present to you. They're trying to move you and get you out of position, you know, for their passing game. So the Eagles have a major, a major, um, um, you know, a, a major situation on their hands of being able to navigate both the physical and the finesse side of it. They're one of the few teams in the league, in my opinion, that's able to do it. And then just defensively, man, they're just a juggernaut on the defensive side of the ball. They fly around. This is one of those games that we talked about. This is one of those games where Jalen Hurts, more than any other time, he's going to have to sit in that pocket when they decide to throw the ball and take what the defense is giving them. They're going to have to come out and run the ball. They're not going to have the opportunity to run it, run it, I mean, pass it, pass it, pass it, and then make the adjustment in the second half. They better come out with the intent to control the line of scrimmage from the word go and then try to implement the pass game off of the run game, you know. But it's one of those games in the pass game where if the check down's there, you got to take it. If it's three yards, four yards, five yards, whatever it is, you got to take it because the, the object is going to have to be to try to figure out how you can move the chains, convert on third downs, and, and, and win time of possession. Because today, what was that, 14, 15 possessions in the game? Yeah. They can't survive. They can't survive against that well, offense with that many possessions. Here's my, my only worry about the game. If the 49ers win it and somehow the Eagles, and they, and they win out and somehow the Eagles wound up with three losses, the tiebreak would come into play for home, home field advantage of number one seed. But we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, let's wrap it up right here on our Pondland Hockey Eagles postgame show. Uh, a great game today. An unbelievable turn of events up and down. And uh, I know a lot of fans were invested. We were invested as well. The Eagles win another game where you go, really? But they roll on. They're 10-1 in the 49ers next week. Four, Mark Farzetta, Kayla Santiago, Seth Joyner, Bill Colarulo and our pal Derek Gunn back at home. D, we're still with you. Hang in there uh, dealing with the situation at home. We hope to see you very soon. Have a great uh, night, everybody, and a great rest of the week. And we'll see you next week right here on the Pond Hockey Eagles postgame show. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, Philly, it's Tom Giordano from Pond Lee Hockey. Follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets all season long. That's right, I'm talking regular season, playoffs, and even the Super Bowl. So follow us on Instagram for your chance to win free Eagles tickets. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of Life. First Trust Bank is there for you.
Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. So Good Now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles.